Greetings, welcome, bienvenidos, hola, aloha, ni hao, namaste, konnichiwa, bonjour, bonjourno, sawadee, corrupt, guten tak, ja, we vivakat, bang, half a day, privyet, jai jinendra, salam, shalom, peace, now, go vegan, peace, how, go vegan, from the left behind coast of the genetically mutated McNugget Pharmaceutical Kill Vivisection Prison Killitary Industrial Corporation, in the cheese-covered post-constitutional bankster bankrupt corruptocracy, mocracy, criminocracy, surveillance state foodborne in the USA, CIA, NSA, FDA, USDA, home of Uncle Salmonella, where they sure do eat a lot of dead animal body parts and the Wall Street-backed corporate diet of death, disease, and destruction is shoved down your throat. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, the nonprofit radio show that's here to save the world, since nobody else seems to want to do it. Um, were you one of the non-vegan foot soldiers in the recent climate march, pointing fingers... Who is whom is to blame this year? Whom is to blame this year? Um, Trump? Yeah, Trump. Trump caused climate change. Yeah, the the amount of carbon released by building Trump Tower. Yeah, that 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 was the tipping point. That melted the glaciers. Yeah, that that Trump Tower. That's the reason that there's that uh, one starving polar bear on an ice cube in the middle of the ocean. Um, I don't know if we can blame Trump Tower for that. Maybe we can blame Trump Steaks, but uh, yeah, yeah, that Trump, 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 Trump. He's a climate denier, and that's what caused the latest hurricane, right? Uh, yeah, bad Trump, bad Trump. He, he, oh, he took us out of the Paris uh, uh, Climate Accord, right? That uh, basically required no one to do anything. No penalty for not doing anything, and you didn't have to do anything. Um, how else would you get 180 countries to agree upon anything? Uh, if, you know, it's great to say that you're for climate change, and then if you don't have to do anything, sure, I'll sign me up, right? So, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so y you see the... Uh, non-vegan environmentalists uh, marching and pointing uh, fingers at Trump, you know, and uh, while we're at it, let's point our fingers at uh, some of the yet unbuilt pipelines, huh? They're, they, they've brought us to the brink of disaster, or, 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 or coal plants of the future, or miles per gallon, or light bulbs, or electric toothbrushes, um... But how does the saying go? Um, what is it? When you point your finger at someone, or you have three fingers pointing back at you, and including your middle finger, which symbolically is what you do to the environment every time your slogan-chanting lips kiss a piece of meat or dairy, fish, eggs, kiss the planet goodbye climate solution de deniers which is worse a client denier uh, like trump or a client solution denier like every non-vegan environmentalists um 
That was not plural. I don't know what, what happened there. Every non-vegan environmentalist. Hmm. Okay. Um, non-vegan environmentalist? Huh. Now, there's a super oxymoron with emphasis on the... Well, I suppose the uh, non-vegan environmentalist can claim ignorance uh, if he or she has not been listening to Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden over the past 17 years. I mean, where do you get the climate solution if not here, huh? You don't get it from the fake environmental groups or the fake animal rights groups, for that matter. Isn't it amazing? The solution for climate change. Oh, and not just climate change, but, you know, also deforestation and water use and resource depletion and pollution mass extinction all of that all uh, all have the same solution and ending animal suffering and killing is part of the same solution so why don't you hear about this uh life-saving solution from animal organizations. Could it be that they are as fake as the environmental groups, uh, those very compromised organizations who partner with the rancher and livestock industries, as animal rights groups do? The Humane Society of the United States, a partner in an international livestock federation? No wonder uh, you, you get on the ballot this November from HSUS uh, uh, telling you you prevent, uh, you prevent cruelty to animals by voting on the uh, specifications uh, what United Egg Producers wants uh, to have happen to chickens. That, that becomes an animal rights issue. We're, we're voting for uh, when, one square foot of space and calling it uh, um, you know, an, an, an animal rights uh, uh, concern. Hmm. So, just just as bizarre as the uh, rancher and livestock uh, uh, environmental groups, basically, a wash in donations from them, the Sierra Club, 350.org, Fib and Bill McKibben supporting meat-eating, saying, oh, how dare we uh, deprive third-world countries of the, the enjoyment of, of eating meat? Um, how about the enjoyment of survival, huh? Fib and Bill McKibben and Greenpeace and NRDC, all fakes, all just, you know, just irresponsible fakes. And uh, as with the fake news media, uh, truth gets suppressed. Um, I mean, you think these environmental groups don't know the solution that saves us from climate change and other environmental devastation? If I know it, how can they not know it, huh? You know, I mean, I guess it, it comes down to that their bottom line is not saving the planet. Their bottom line is their bottom line and donations. And, you know, so, so instead of truth, um, we get uh, how much fun marching is. Marching. Yeah, let's, let's get together. You can get together with friends, have a great time, sing and dance and chant, and, and then go have a burger or, or some, some wings afterward. Huh? So, I mean, I hate to break the news to you, oh, carbon credit breath, but um, marching is not the solution for climate change. Um, what do you think is? You think singing and dancing are? Okay, I'll go with you on that. I know, I know. You thought I was going to say going vegan is the solution? Ah, for right now, uh, 
I'm talking to those who, uh, who want singing and dancing to be the solution for climate change. Hey, I'll, you know, I'll accommodate you too. Anything, anything to save the animals and the planet, huh? So, believe it or not, more than any uh, Sierra Club 350.org, Greenpeace, uh, uh, Citizens Climate Lobby March, um, you know, singing and dancing and chanting there, L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest is more likely to save the world. Uh, is more likely to save island nations like Jamaica than pretty much anything else at this point. Um, at least at L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest, the solution will be front and center stage, at least when I'm on stage. And I'm organizing the event, so I imagine I, I can get on stage occasionally there. Um, <laughs> before getting booed off and people saying, bring on Maccabee, bring on Glenn Washington, bring on Sister Carol, bring on Bushman, uh, bring on, well, I'll, t I'll tell you more about it in a second, but uh, for right now, uh, go with me on this, okay, that the solution, the solution for climate change will be front and center stage at L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest, and uh, we'll be there to... Uh, in our usual role, you know, we're on a mission to save the world, and uh, we want to save those island nations, too. If, if you haven't noticed, by the way, reggae is very Jamaica-centric. Very, you know, um, considering that uh, you know, the music genre got started in Jamaica in, in the late 60s with, uh, remember, Toots and the Maytals, 1968 single, Do the Reggae, being the first popular song to use the word reggae and now 50 years later la reggae vegan fest is the first vegan festival to use the word reggae um, in fact it may be the first vegan festival to use the word vegan um, since all i seem to see out there are these uh, veg fests uh, whatever that means and you know although i'm i'm all for celebrating vegetables but they're not really called vegetable fests so not sure, but I am all for celebrating vegetables and uh, and eating them too. Um, or maybe people want to uh, just veg, you know, go go to a festival and and veg, you know, go out, have a good time, you know, just uh, you know, uh, not really think too much, maybe maybe drink a lot, you know, just just veg, whatever. Um, but as I said, we are on a mission. Uh, you know, musical instruments are expensive and they are not waterproof. When climate change uh, storms ravage Jamaica, um, when seawaters rise and submerge all those guitars and keyboards and drum sets, uh, when reggae bands have to play in scuba gear, uh, when that happens, I'll remind you that I told you so. I won't get any pleasure out of it. Um, and so, let's not even go there. For, right? Let's not go there. We don't have to go there. We don't have to get there. I mean, so, you know, I won't get any pleasure out of telling you I told you so, but you will get a lot of pleasure out of L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest. Um, and as I said, you'll also get the solution for saving Jamaica, you know, really, really for saving you know, all <laughs> for saving the planet, right? But, you know, saving all the island nations, sa saving all kinds of islands, including Manhattan Island. 
Yeah, you didn't didn't quite notice that New York City is an island too, right? So, you know, when when those uh, top floors and the skyscrapers, when the when the top floor and the Trump Tower becomes, you know, like a garden apartment, well, it won't be there won't be a garden. Poolside, poolside. I don't know. Yet this is uh, this is so serious. Can you tell? I mean, it's serious in a fun way. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not like there isn't a, a Rasta vegan Ital connection to all of this, and we should pay attention to that. So, I mean, so so tell me, who wants to save Jamaica? Huh? I mean, I'm sure all reggae fans want to save Jamaica, right? Who wants to who wants to save Jamaica? Oh, and uh, for the environmentalists who aren't into reggae and aren't just quite as concerned about Jamaica, how about who wants to end mass extinction? Huh? That's that's uh that's one upon which that's a question upon which most environmentalists should and could agree. So uh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for for years and years here on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com, um, we've studied the environment, and we've often quoted the work of ecologist Dr. Robert Goodland, the first environmental expert ever hired to be an advisor to the World Bank. He and Jeff Anhang did a study called Livestock and Climate Change, which blamed animal agriculture, animal agriculture, uh, the uh, production and consumption of meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, animal agriculture was blamed as the number one cause of human-generated greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, Goodland and Anhang have told us that a human population shift to vegan is the only solution before it's too late. Are you still depending upon politicians and corporations and schemes like carbon trading? Really? Really? Come on. Come on. Come on. The vegan solution is the only solution before it's too late, according to the world's top climate specialist that uh, Goodland said that a uh, population shift to vegan could take us to pre-industrial carbon levels. And now we have a new study uh, conducted over five years, just released by Oxford University. I interviewed the lead researcher in that study, uh, the study called Reducing Foods Environmental impacts through producers and consumers. I uh, interviewed Joseph Poor a few weeks back. You, you can hear the archive, and I certainly recommend that you do listen to it at uh, goveganradio.com. It's under episode 624, 624. And so again, we have a comprehensive, perhaps this is the most comprehensive environmental uh, study ever telling us that the most important action that we can take, that you can take uh, for the environment is to go vegan. Um, now, I, I know that, yeah, I, 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 can hear the, I can hear the reaction of the environmentalists out there. It's like, yeah, I, I want to save the environment, but what? Give up my meat? I mean, I'm sure I want to save the planet, but give up my meat? Well, 
Do you want to save the planet? Do you want to save your children from heart disease, cancer, stroke, diabetes? So, you know, I, I made some notes. I, I mean, maybe some people will go back and listen to episode 624 at goveganradio.com. Maybe they won't, but uh, if you're listening right now, I, I remember jotting down a few notes from the study that I thought were interesting. Um, and this was a study of 40,000 farms and 1,600 uh, producers. And, uh, you know, I guess we often think like, well, you know, so I have a, a sandwich for lunch. How can, how can that, you know, affect the environment? What's the big deal? You know, I have some chicken wings or whatever. How can, how can you know? You know, we, there are 7 billion people on the planet. Everybody wants to eat. And there are over 570 million farms on the planet. 570 million farms on the planet. And meat, aquaculture, eggs, and dairy use 83% of the world's farmland and uh, contribute, it says in, in this latest study, almost 60% of food's different emissions. Um, providing only 37% of protein. So, um, yeah. So, more than 80% of farmland around the world is used for animal agriculture. Uh, it's uh, incredible. It's incredible. The impacts of the lowest impact animal products exceed the average impacts of substitute vegetable proteins across GHG, greenhouse gas emissions, uh, eutrophication, uh, acidification, and land use. Going vegan, uh, as we were told by uh, Joseph Poor uh, from the study, going vegan has transformational potential, reducing foods land use by 3.1 billion hectares. So we can reduce farmland by 76% and still feed the world's human population. That, if, if we were to all go vegan and free up 3.1 billion hectares, well, I don't really, you know, again, I'm, uh, I'm kind of uh, challenged by the metric system and picturing areas you know so i had to ask joseph during the interview i i, I can't really picture 3.1 billion hectares what what does that mean a 76 percent reduction uh, freeing up that that much land well that's freeing up the land the size of africa yeah so if you're against mass extinction you know using land for for farmland is key it's key and we can reduce it <laughs> we can reduce it by this the size of africa so and uh joseph also told us that the number one uh cause of deforestation is uh growing feed for animals growing feed for the animals whom non-vegans eat the number one cause of deforestation. How can you be an environmentalist against forests? Is that possible? Huh? Well, if you eat meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, you're an anti-forest environmentalist. That sounds as bad as a climate denier to me, or a climate solution 
than ire. Um, so if uh, we were to go vegan and then free up the size of land of, you know, Africa for reforestation and maybe, you know, some some of the animals left on the planet who haven't haven't been decimated by people eating meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. If we were to go vegan, we would reduce food's greenhouse gas, gas emissions by 6.6 billion metric tons of CO2. That's about a 50% reduction. Any environmentalists for a 50% reduction of greenhouse gas emissions? Oh, yeah, I am, but what? I'll give up my meat? Um, so if we were to go vegan, we would reduce acidification by... 50%. Wow, that's incredible, but, you know, what, give up give up my meat. Eutrophication would be reduced also by about 50%. Um, you can listen to the program, episode 624, to find out what eutrophication is. Um, in the U.S., where meat consumption is three times the global average, dietary change has the potential for far greater effects on foods' different emissions, reducing them by up to 73%. So uh, here in America, we got to do it. We have to go vegan, and we have to do it now. All right, so anyway, where am I here? So, uh, yes, yeah, so I do believe that, uh, therefore, you would find L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest uh, to be, you know, like, our, this is where one love includes the animals. It's one love, all species. One love saves all the species. Let's really show our love and, and go vegan, huh? So there you have it. Please come to our important environmental event. It'll be uh, at least as much fun as marching. Um, and really, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I, I know. How, how can something so important just be so much fun? But that's the way it'll be. And, uh, you know, when you have a, a lineup of international reggae superstars... Um, and if we don't go vegan, I, I hope they all can swim very well. I hope Maccabee can swim uh, very well. Uh, he even sings about being vegan in his music as being the, the vegan Ital man. And then Bushman also has some great vegan songs. What a lineup it is. Huh? We have Glenn Washington. This is A1, A1 list, Sister Carol, General John Mikey, Lamore and the Mystic Band, The Simpkin Project, and even a children's show with Jamaica Bob starting at 10.30 um, in the morning. Kids 12 and under are free. We are talking about L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest. It's coming up fast, Sunday, October 7th at Woodley Park in Van Nuys. Get your discount tickets now at LAReggaeVeganFest.com. Um, and uh, as if that spectacular musical lineup weren't enough, we do have mind-blowing speakers on stage between musical performances, speakers who will also give lengthier presentations in our free college of vegan knowledge. Everybody wants free college. We got it here. Free college of vegan knowledge moderated by uh, Dr. Anuj Shah. 
and that'll be taking place that that'll be free to the public taking place just outside our paid event in Woodley Park same location basically the Free College of Vegan Knowledge will be just south of LA Reggae Vegan Fest so close that people who are ticket holders can go back and forth if you want to see speakers in the Free College of Vegan Knowledge and you bought tickets for the event you can just go back and forth as you please Gary Francione uh, who is coming up next here on today's show uh, is one of those speakers um, and at uh, our event Sunday October 7th Woodley Park you'll also hear from Dr. Antenna Roba from Ethiopia president of the International Fund for Africa Dr. Armighty May, she's a doctor of veterinary medicine. Eric Weissman, uh, the founder of Evolution Vegan Dog and Cat Food. And uh, we certainly, by the way, appreciate, you know, what the contribution of Eric Weissman has has been to us, uh, to us vegans who... um, Want want the dogs and cats in our lives uh, to be vegans too, and Doctor Armighty May uh, will be uh, talking about healthy vegan dogs and cats. Um, Doctor Antenna Roba will be talking about healthy human children, vegans. So, um, oh, and Evolution just uh, just released its organic um, vegan uh, kibble. And you can call 800-659-0104, By the way, Evolution maybe is the only uh, dog and cat food that doesn't use chemical preservatives. So, um, you know, so, uh, so, you know, close the bag tight, put the clip on it, you know. No chemical preservatives in Evolution. And in fact, evolution uh, has been proven um, to uh, really uh, be worthy of uh, ev- every stage of life of uh, of your dog and cat. Uh, passes the specifications on those. The phone number is for evolution is eight hundred six five nine zero one zero four. Twenty five percent off your first order of dry food. Uh, if you call that number the first Wednesday of the month um, and you're a new customer, well, no, you don't have to be a new customer. If you call the, the first Wednesday of the month, uh, you get 20% off uh, dry food, 10% off canned food. And uh, again, that number, 800-659-0104. Uh, you can meet Eric Weissman at L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest. And as I said, uh, Evolution just released its new organic variety. Um, also, uh, speaking at our event, Sunday, October 7th at Woodley Park, Dali Vyasahuja, who is an Ahimsa activist. We will have poetry from Abiose and Rastakura. And uh, it's just going to be... Uh, one of one of the great days. If if you weren't able to make it to Woodstock, like you know, you weren't born yet. Hey, I was there. I was at Woodstock, by the way. Um, I think this might have the feel. This 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 may feel like, you know, Woodstock 2018. La Reggae Vegan Fest dot com. 
and as I said, uh, Professor Francione is coming up next. Oh, also later in the show, one of our wonderful food vendors at L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest. L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest. Is it an environmental event? Is it... Uh, is it a concert? What is it? Is, is, it, a f- is it a food uh, festival? Everyone's right. All of the above. And uh, you know, definitely bring your appetite. You are going to be amazed uh, by what's on the menu at LA Reggae Vegan Fest Sunday, October 7th, Woodley Park in Van Nuys. Coming up on today's show, we will hear from Carol Lafori of Calacua Vegan Cuban Restaurant in Inglewood. Vegan Cuban food, huh? We'll find out all about it, and we'll find out if I pronounce the name of the restaurant correctly. Uh... And Cuba, Cuba, huh? Isn't that an island nation, huh? Who wants to save Cuba? Huh? Get your tickets now for L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest. Okay, this is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Uh, you can make a tax-deductible donation to support this program, the work of 501c3 Go Vegan Radio. Um, we've been producing this show, as I say, for uh, 17 years. This show actually came out of my my first production at Woodley Park when I organized World Fest back in the year 2000. And uh, in going around and promoting World Fest on different radio stations in Los Angeles, uh, a producer at KRLA said to me, hey, you have a background in radio and, and animal issues and being vegan for so long, you should do a radio show here. So that's how it started. I had to uh, raise funds I had to get advertising to pay for the airtime, as it has been uh, very much along the way. Uh, first being on KRLA in Los Angeles, then we added on San Francisco. Uh, we were on the Air America radio network for a while. Yes, the same network uh, of where Rachel Maddow is, when, when she still made sense, um, on the Air America, Air America radio network, the most progressive um, and yet we've been on conservative stations, too, because who knows what we are here? Um, we are just uh, <laughs> trying to save the world and getting you to eat delicious food, okay? Stop, stopping, stopping eating animals, stopping wearing animals, stopping using animals, and we'll all live happily ever after. So uh, was I starting to tell you that you could make a tax-deductible donation to support this show and the work we do, like the events we produce? like LA Reggae Vegan Fest, and we've done the World Vegan Summit and Expo, and so many other things in the past. Um, So you can find the donate button at goveganradio.com. You can also support us through Patreon. And I invite you uh, to enjoy our 24-7 music sensation station, Radio Bobby. That's at radiobobby.com. We will continue on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linton.
continue on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com, on Twitter at Go Vegan Radio, and Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And uh, get your discount tickets now for LA Reggae Vegan Fest. You get them at LAReggaeVeganFest.com. Not only do we have a, a lineup of stellar international reggae superstars, but mind-blowing speakers too. And uh, Gary Francione, I don't, I don't think you've ever spoken at at a, a, a reggae vegan fest before, have you? No, I haven't, Bob. I'll be very honest with you. Um, I will be very honest. No, I haven't. It's going to be an experience. It will be an experience I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be great. So, um, so we we haven't uh, spoken in a in a few weeks. I seem to be, uh, I don't know, just uh, you forget you focused on ordering uh, portable toilets and things. You know, so when one becomes when one becomes an empresario on that level, one forgets one's friends. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's more like there's no business like vegan show business, and uh, exactly. exactly And and I have no business being in that business, but uh, (laughs) oh, and and I should mention for um for our friends who are interested in environmental issues, while while we haven't spoken in a few weeks, there was one show that got produced, number um, six twenty four, episode six twenty four. And uh, people can get that at the archives at GoVeganRadio.com. Uh, I interviewed the lead researcher of um, of a five-year environmental study out of uh, Queens College of Oxford University. Not the Queens College I went to, the, like the, the smart Queens College at Oxford University. And it was, I mean, what, what he said about going vegan, I mean, it, it, it's from an environmental standpoint in the most comprehensive environmental study ever i mean and and it's just not just climate change but it's it's everything and uh, his conclusion is the best thing we can do is go vegan and I, i'm going to have to listen to it again because i it's really hard for me to understand metric i can it's hard for me to picture like when you talk about kilograms or kilometers or you know i need feet and inches and everything and he's talking about hectares or hectares and he's saying oh if we went vegan this much land would be freed and i said oh well how many hectares what what is that like what does that mean he said well it's like the size of africa you know i mean it's like so i mean it's just some uh, really amazing information there and uh you know i think you know we we look at the uh, moral imperative to go vegan on you know on on the basis related to animals but but also in terms of the mass extinction he said that we would stop the mass extinction if we would go vegan so i don't know i'm seeing major moral imperatives everywhere and uh probably probably from you too <laughs> Well, you know, thanks for like not having me on that show. Very <laughs> show. Um, yeah, no, I listen. I listened to it. Um, a hectare, I think, is two point two acres, isn't it? Oh, I, I don't know, and I, I can't even picture acres. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to have to have a translator, you know. So no, I think I think it's two point two uh, acres. Maybe it's more. I don't know, but um, but in any event, yeah, no, it's um, maybe it's two point five. However, uh, Bob, the the thing that is so frustrating, and it really is frustrating, is that global warming, I mean, I, I don't know what things are like. Well, I do know what things are like in California. It's burning up. But um, on the East Coast, and you being you being from Brooklyn. No, Queen. Where, the no, Bronx. Right? The Bronx. Right. 
yeah, well, yeah, ma- right. really Manhattan, the Bronx, and Queens. I mean, okay. really. All right. Well, um, I cannot remember a summer where it's been this hot and humid every single day. I have to get up and take the dogs out no later than 7 o'clock, 7.30, if I start my, you know, because I walk them several miles. And um, and I can do that for you in kilometers if you'd like. But, <laughs> but I I walk them several miles, three to, three to four miles. And I'm telling you that if I don't get out there by 7.30, by the time I get home, I, 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 it's, it's incredible. I, I mean, I've, I've never seen anything like this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got the fires out there. You've got all sorts of, I mean, you know, in, in Kerala, India, they've just, I mean, they've got the monsoons, which are, you know, problematic. But, you know, monsoons are getting crazier. And, and um, we are in big trouble. And uh, my friend and colleague, Rupert Reed from the University of East Anglia, has been taking a position that I respect a great deal. And that is, he's taking the position that he will not appear on, he will not debate climate deniers anymore. And so he's told he was invited to go on the BBC to debate some climate denier, climate change denier. And he said, I'm not going to do it. He said, it's dishonest. He said, the idea that the BBC has people on and, and who, who deny climate change and that we're supposed to take them seriously is absurd. And I agree with Rupert. I think he's just dead right. We got a huge response to that. And I think we need to take the position that climate change ain't up for grabs anymore. I mean, I don't think I, I didn't think it's been up for grabs for a while now, but the bottom line is is that it, it's anybody who denies climate change, denying climate change is as stupid and ignorant as denying that the world is not flat. And you know, you if somebody asked you to go on, you know, to BBC and dis, and debate somebody about whether the earth was flat you would say well that's crazy i mean i don't want to be on i don't want to be on um, on uh, i don't want to participate in that because it's 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 ridiculous but that's exactly what's happening with you know that exactly what's happening with um with climate change it's but, ridiculous but if the people who um recognize that climate change is happening deny the solution which is being told to us now by this most comprehensive study ever from out of Oxford and uh, Goodland and Anhang at the World Bank, top climate specialist in the world. So they all say that the only solution is going vegan. So what's the point if people say, oh, there's climate change. Now let's stop that pipeline, you know, like a pipeline that's not even built yet. You know, I mean, it's like so to me, it's the equivalent of denying climate change if you deny the climate change solution, and and now we have so much more information. Exactly, exactly. I mean, no, I I agree with you. I mean, we cannot deny climate change, and the one thing we can all do, you know, is we can go vegan. And it just drives me crazy that you know there are people who spend endless amounts of time separating out their their recyclable trash, and and you know yammering about composting. And all this sort of stuff. And these are all good things to do. There's no doubt about it. But when I see people, um, you know, when I see my neighbors, you know, obsessing about what goes in a what bin and they're not vegans, I just, I, I really is, it really is. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm recycling the, the label for my Oscar Mayer wieners here. I see. Exactly, exactly. It's like, oh, well, you know, where does the plastic wrapping from my Oscar Mayer wieners go? <laughs> um, and the answer is I can tell you where I think it goes, but uh, – and I, re- I realize you're not on a, on a network anymore, but nevertheless, um, 
you know, I can tell you where I think it goes, and I think that you know that the idea that people are doing it, and people are doing this is just so reminiscent of you know of of rearranging the deck chairs on the you know the concept, not going vegan as a response to climate change and doing anything else but go vegan, it, but going vegan is rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Right. I mean, we shouldn't expect solutions from politicians, government, corporations. I mean, that, that that's all a scam. The, the the carbon credits and all. I mean, all just a scam. We just all need to go vegan and, and recognize that. And and the information is is right there in front of us now. Absolutely. And so, therefore, I, I mean, I think, you know, there there were. There have been several studies. I mean, there have been several studies in the past several years, but there have been several studies recently. Um, and it's absolutely clear that um, going vegan is the best thing that we can do. And it's something that we all have the power to do. If we did this as a – I mean, this is something we can do. If we decide collectively to do it, we can all do it right now. You know, and, and that's the beauty of it. So it's frustrating, and um, when I think about, you know, when I think about this summer, and I think, you know what, it's probably going to be like this, you know, for the foreseeable future. We have not had one day, not one, since the summer started, where you could really go outside and enjoy the, you know, the weather. It's just been brutal. It's been raining all day, um, and, you know, even though it's not particularly hot, the humidity is like 91%. And and it's like a steam bath out there, and so it, it's it, it's 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 outrageous. It really is. And year after year, we set records for hottest year. So absolutely, you know, we're we are we are in big 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 trouble, and um and we need to do something about that. And um, the thing that we can do is go vegan. Yep. And you know, and so this idea that, that well, you know, I'm going to compost or I'm going <laughs> to recycle my bottles or you know, I'm going to I'm gonna, you know, obsess over where my wrapping from my Oscar Myers hot dogs goes. Um, you know, in, in what bin does it go? Um, and I mean, there are people around here, um, you know, who literally have like five or six different bins for stuff that they're, you know, that they're recycling, mm -hmm. and they're not vegans. And I just, I just, I just, it's like, how do you get inside someone's head? You know, I mean to. And, and, and anyway, so I just I wanted to share with you what Rupert, the positions Rupert is taking, and people are saying, well, you know, you ought to go on BBC because it's an important venue. And Rupert's response, which I agree with, and that is, it is insane to 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 debate that in the same way that it is insane to debate whether the Earth is flat. Now, people have said, well, but wait a minute, are you taking that position? You think it's absolutely clear that it's wrong to 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 exploit animals, and so are you going to take the position? That you won't debate people who say it's okay to exploit animals. And the answer is no. I'll keep debating them because that's a moral debate. I think it's. I think the. I think the the arguments in favor of not exploiting animals are absolutely airtight, and I think the arguments in favor of exploiting animals are invalid and unsound. But that's very different from arguing whether or not the Earth is flat. That's very different from arguing, you know, factual matters about which there can be no reasonable doubt. And there can be no reasonable doubt whatsoever. We have shown, it has been shown, 
beyond a reasonable doubt, to use an expression that we use in criminal law, it has been shown beyond a reasonable doubt that that animal agriculture is the single most factor, single uh, most responsible for greenhouse gases and for uh, global warming. If we stop that immediately, we might have a chance. And, and, and deforestation and water shortage and resource depletion and the, and the mass extinction going on. Who, who's yeah. against mass extinction? Anybody? Well, it's not just... It's, you know, the thing, the thing that drives me crazy is, you know, you get these people, I get these people on my page all the time who lament, you know, the killing of some, some endangered animal. And when I say, well, wait, what about all the other, you know, what about, what, what about, you know, uh, uh, you know, cows and pigs? Well, but they're not endangered. And I say, well, you know, more morally, that, that in and of itself is irrelevant. And I said, but what about all the, the insects and plants that are being wiped out by animal agriculture they are you know i mean literally we're killing we're we're wiping off thousands of species every year it's just we don't fetishize them like we do well every every, every individual cow and every individual pig is endangered uh well, i know i know but but but, but <laughs> animal agriculture is wiping out thousands of species mm -hmm. of 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 plants and insects that are absolutely essential for ecological health. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we don't fetishize them. So we don't, you know, we don't get all upset the way we do about cat, about the big cats and about elephants and, you know, and, and whatever. Um, but, but, um, you know, it, it's, this is just ridiculous. And it's not just the fact that, you know, cows are ruminants and, and they expel methane gas. It's not just that it's, What's happening, as you as you say, in terms of deforestation, in terms of the the destruction of topsoil, it's the 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 pollution of water supplies. I mean, we we are going to be in the next you know the next period. You know, we're going to go from you know petroleum uh, uh, shortages and problems and markets and what to water shortage, and we're going to have wars over water, and and you know you. You know, it's, there's always been big conflicts out in your neck of the woods, out in the West, where you know there there have been you know big disputes, you know about about who has control of what. Right. The farmers in the North or the cities in the South. Exactly, exactly. Always been a big problem, and that's only going to get worse and worse and worse. So, you know, as Leonard Cohen, who is now no longer amongst us, um, in his in his song, The Future, the uh, one of the lines was, I've seen the future, baby, it is murder. And um, and I think that that's absolutely right. I think we're in for a very rough time. And um, talk about karma. Uh, you know, it, what we're doing to animals is so morally monstrously wrong. And it's going to kill us. Yeah. It's, already kill, it's already killed our spirits. It's already made us insensitive to violence. It's already made us willing to tolerate the most hideous, heinous, unjust nonsense on the planet it, 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 because it conditions us. We all celebrate our superiority every single day, three times a day, except those of us who eat more. And, and, and we celebrate it three times a day and we celebrate our superiority and we celebrate our ability to do violence because we can. And if we think that that doesn't carry over, to what we do on a day-to-day -day basis in terms of each other, we're crazy. We're just we're just wrong, and and um, you know and so it's it's killed our spirits in so many ways. 
but it's going to wipe us out physically too. Yeah. Those, those human, those human supremacists, you know. Exactly. exactly. With those, with that, with that cheery note, with that <laughs> cheery note. Um, the, the so, cheery, the cheery note is we can always go vegan. <laughs> like, you yeah, know, well, we can all right. go vegan, like in response to to everything, you know. But no, um, yeah. oh, just to mention one more study that I didn't understand a few years ago because they were talking about liters or whatever, whatever measurement. So metric, the, metrically challenged. I am Bob. so metrically challenged. It's like it has to be in, in inches and pounds. It has to be. Or so, um, so, so the Stockholm International Water Institute in a presentation to the UN a few years ago said that um, so a vegan requires 10,000 gallons of well they talked in liters so I had to have somebody translate to, to gallons so a vegan requires 10,000 gallons of water uh, to grow his or her food in a year and uh, a non-vegan requires how many? 320,000 gallons from yeah. this from this report, so so you, Gary Francione, saved three hundred ten thousand gallons of water this past year. I saved three hundred ten thousand. Be, between us, we saved six hundred twenty thousand gallons of water. So, so let's. I'm going to go take a long shower now. So okay. So um, yeah. So so thirty two vegans can be fed to one uh, non vegan according. Yeah. To I mean, well, they're they're different numbers. That, you know, it depends how you you know how you. How, right, the, right. the bottom line is. Again, an acre of land can feed, you know, can, can provide food for more vegans than it takes many. It takes, I think, three and a quarter acres or whatever to produce food for one omnivore, um, whereas one acre of land can, uh, depending on what numbers you look at, can feed, um, you know, like up, upward, I think, of 20 vegans. So, I mean, you know, and, and I always get such a I get such a charge out of these these. I, I love, you know, the the. The Bruce Friedrich, um, you know, the, the, the happy exploitation crowd, the you can't be a perfect vegan crowd. I love these people because they are really so incredibly confused. I feel bad for them. I, 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 I wish that we could do something to un, unconfuse them. But, um, you know, Friedrich and, and Matt Ball and the whole vegan outreach crowd and all, all of these, these folks and their analogs over in Europe, all of whom are, you know, basically selling out the animals, falling over themselves to sell out the animals while they hold out their hands for a donation, tell us that we cannot be perfect vegans because we'll always, whatever we do, we'll be, um, you know, we'll be harming animals. There are two responses to that. Response number one is that we can't be perfect human rights advocates in the sense that any everything we do, every action in which we engage, the products that we consume, everything that we do, uh, has an effect. And you know, human beings are harmed in the production of products. Um, you know, there are people who are killed every year in industrial manufacturing and stuff like that. We build roads; people get killed on roads. So everything we do, you know, has has an all action has a detrimental effect on, on human beings, does that mean that we say, well, you know, we can't build roads without people dying, so therefore there's no difference between building a road and killing people. If I were to say that, people would think, you know, boy, he's really, you know, he's, he's, he's a strange fella um, because he's not making any sense. And the thing is, but that's exactly what they're saying. They're saying, well, you can't, you can't um, avoid killing animals, so therefore... Uh, 
it, there's no difference between you know being a vegan and unintentionally killing animals or incidentally killing animals and growing them, raising them, producing them for the purpose of commodifying and killing them. And the answer is that's just absurd. That's point number one. Point number two is their argument is that well, we eat vegetables and animals are killed in the in the you know the, the process of of growing and, and harvesting vegetables. The answer is that's absolutely true, and we ought we ought to minimize that to the extent possible. We ought to stop using pesticides. A lot of animals are killed from pesticides. I mean, people think as you know, pesticides have been around for like eight million years, and the answer is no, that they haven't been. The chemicals, the stuff that that kills a lot of animals, that stuff that stuff started in the 20th century, basically. And you know, and it's been a great it has been a great con job that we've all bought into that somehow. Um, you know, we, we can't live without these, these chemical poisons. And the answer is, gee whiz, we did for like thousands of years. And so we don't really need all of you know, this stuff, uh, although they've convinced us that we do, we don't. But even if you take that as a given, the bottom line is if we all were plant eaters, if we all were eating nothing but plants, we'd have so many fewer acres under cultivation that the incidental and unintentional intentional killing of animals in the harvesting and production of plant foods would be many, would be reduced dramatically. We so, free up enough land uh, for animals, you know, that in terms of hectares, I understand it's the size of Africa, if I go back and listen to, that's, to that's, that interview. That's exactly, you know, what's really crazy, there was a guy at at, um, at Cornell, David Pimentel, and um, as far as I know, no one's ever challenged this, but he did he did some research some years ago and basically uh, said that the amount of plant products that we fed to animals in this country alone, the United States alone, if you take all of the plant products that we produce to feed to animals that we're going to slaughter and eat and all the animals that we're going to use to produce dairy and, and eggs, we could feed 800 million human being. Now, you know, and I often quote that to people when I'm talking about animal rights because I say, you know what, given that fact alone, even if you don't care at all about animals, even if you reject everything about animal rights, if you care about human beings, you're in trouble. <laughs> Yeah, well, we, yeah. We, we could end world hunger for sure. Right, yeah. right, right. We can end. Now, obviously, world hunger is more complicated in that it's not just a question of production of food; it's a question of distribution, and you have political issues. So, you know, if you've got if you've got uh, economic issues and you've got political issues which stop food from being distributed, that's wrong, and it's morally wrong. We ought not we 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 ought not to do that. It's it's morally wrong, monstrously morally wrong. We ought not to do it. But so, but there are always going to be problems with, um, you know, with with uh, uh, you know economics and politics in terms of food distribution. But the bottom line is, we could produce enough food, and that's something that everybody who calls himself a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim or whatever and cares about other human beings, we really need to take a step back and say, wow, <laughs> you know, if we really care about other humans, if we really believe that we have some moral and spiritual obligation to other humans, then we have no choice but to go be. So, um, you know. Anyway, well, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit tonight, Bob, about, um, you know, I, I, am, I really am just 
shocked. You know, when I wrote Rain Without Thunder in 1996, are we still there, Bob? I'm here. Oh, okay. Good. Do I, do I, do I, do I want to make sure. <laughs> I, I know. I'm usually not speechless for so long, right? So, okay. I'm, I'm here. Uh, when, when I wrote Rain Without Thunder in 1996, it was my view that the animal people, who all of whom, or most of whom, not all of them, not all of them most of whom, claimed to support animal rights, claimed to want to see the abolition of animal exploitation, um, argued that we needed to pursue welfare reform and a lot of these same old, same old single-issue campaigns to get to abolition. And the point of writing Rain Without Thunder, the point of the book was to argue that we can't, um, we, we can't, we're not going to get to abolition by making exploitation more humane because first of all that just reassures people and secondly because animals are property um, the level of humane treatment will always or level of treatment call it humane or whatever the hell you want to call it is always going to be very low because it's it's basically gonna it's gonna involve little more than making animal exploitation more economically efficient um, but at least at the time the rhetoric of animal people was we want to end this What's really happened now, somebody asked me the other day, um, you should write a, a new you should do a new edition of Rain Without Thunder. And I said, I, I, that would be useless. Because the situation has changed so dramatically. Maybe another book needs to be written, like Rain Without Thunder. But Rain Without Thunder was a very different, you know, the, the 90s were, was a very different time because the rhetoric was different. And the claims that people were making were different. And now what we're seeing is uh, animal people are no longer saying abolition is a good thing. They're no longer saying we believe in animal rights. As a matter of fact, they're very hot. They're, uh, they're openly, aggressively hostile to it. And, you know, I did an essay on my, on my uh, site, Abolitionist Approach, last week in which I talked about um, some, one of the sellouts, I even forget what these people's names are. Uh, there's, there's so many of them, I can't keep them straight. Um, but some sellout um, was basically... Um, from a group, from a particular organization? Yeah, well, some Europe, uh, oh God, um, it'll come to me. Uh, but some guy, I mean, you know, he's, a, you know, he's just one, one, of the, one of the many sellouts. You know, selling out animals with their hands out for a donation, um, and he he said that uh, we've got to we've got to get over this purist shit was his you know we this vegan purist shit we just gotta gotta get beyond that and you know uh, people aren't aren't perfect and we really ought to just acknowledge that and embrace it and get beyond this this purity shit and it seems to me that. Um, that sort of, of, of approach, think about that in a human context. You know, we can't treat, you know, we all, we're all imperfect people, so we make mistakes. But, you know, instead of, instead of acknowledging that, that we're doing things wrong and aspiring to do better, instead of aspiring to be just, instead of aspiring to be fair, if we were just to say, you know what? We're not perfect, so let's just get beyond this human rights purity shit. I think most people, although, <laughs> I don't know, America America in 2018 is a peculiar place. 
Um, and um, and but I think most people would think that that's a really bad idea that we shouldn't be talking that way or or, or that it's sad that we're thinking that way. And and yet we have animal people um, saying that about animals that you know um, aspiring to justice, aspiring to fairness, saying that you know look we have a moral obligation. To not consume animal products, not eat them, not wear them, not use them. It's a fundamental issue of justice. That's purity shit. And I just find that really so troubling. And, you know, it's it. there's so many of these people. I mean, in the 90s, if somebody said that, that person would be a real outlier. Now, um, now it's, it's fairly common. I mean, it's fairly common. It's this idea that, and, you know, I, I did a post this morning on the Facebook page which I said, the problem is not we're post-truth. The problem is we're post-morality. Because, you know, it's, it's like, you know, we talk about racism. And, and, you know, I talk about racism, but somebody on the right will talk about, they say, well, it's just a matter of political correctness. It's not that they're disputing that the discourse denigrates people of color. They just don't think denigrating people of color is a bad thing. Because it's not a question of post-truth. It's not a question of whether the discourse denigrates people of color. The question is, or the point is that some of us think that that's really immoral. And some of us say, eh, you know, denigrates people of color. So what? Get over it. Don't go for that purity shit. And I think... That you know, that's a that's a, a serious problem, and so I think that um, I think that uh, we need to we're in trouble. I think we're we're in big trouble. Not only is is global warming going to wipe us all out, but um, we won't see it coming because we have our heads lodged so far up our rectums that we really can't see. I, 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 it's troubling, um, and to see animal people now, of course, these they're business people. These are all business people. These are all people who. Um, you know, don't want to have jobs and, you know, and they want organizations and Patreon accounts and what they want to do is they want to go around and tell people that it's okay to keep exploiting animals. Thank you very much. Give me a donation. Donate to my Patreon account. Eat smaller and, steaks. Eat smaller steaks. Yeah, eat, eat smaller steaks. I mean, you know, you get these people and, and you know, I, I was very distressed. Uh, I mean, I'm a, I like, I've known Phil Wallen in Australia for years. I like Phil. Um, I really do. He spoke at the world first World Vegan Summit, second World Vegan, no, first one. And um, I like Phil. But he comes out in favor of cultured meat. Now, what the hell? I mean, I, I honestly um, am confused about that. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't understand the thinking there. I mean, I do understand what he's saying, which is basically, look, there's a lot of people who want to keep eating meat, so we've got to develop this, this stuff. Well, first of all, it ain't vegan. I mean, it involves using and killing animals to get the cell lines and you also have to use animals to get the the media um the very you know the various media you know they use they use different they use a, they use like a, a medium that involves um you know uh, a calf bovine fetal bovine serum i think it is right? uh, you know there's other other animal substances in these media to, to feed the cells so so right, an, exactly. an, animal products are needed to feed the animal cells and we vegans right. are selling this you know this right. vegans are investing in vegans are selling it. and and his main argument was that well people want to keep on eating meat and and what i don't understand is look if you really want the taste of meat 
it's there for you. I mean, these meat, these fake meat, these you know, these these vegan meat products, these vegan soy mock meat or whatever the hell you call them, they're actually creepy in terms of you know. I, I mean, if you really want the taste and the texture of meat, you can get it, mm -hmm. and you can get it. I mean, the stuff that's. I mean, when you think about it, Bob. Um, when you and I became, well, I, I, became, I was, I became a vegan in '82. It was my 36th year. None of it. 1984 for me, so only 34 years for me. So none of that stuff existed back then, if you remember. I mean, I don't. Know, if I you, didn't even know tofu existed when I when that, I discovered tofu. I, I that was like the miracle of miracles, you know. Like, I, I I remember crying when I found some guy in New Jersey. It was a small company at the time. Um, who was making dairy fake dairy products? He was making fake ice cream for Jews, for you know Jews who kept kosher. Mm -hmm. and tofuti, oh. and the the stuff was the stuff was like it was all just one big you know concoction of chemicals. But boy, was it good! And and um, it, it was so much better than the healthier uh, competition, which was what was that stuff that was that came in the eighties? Ice bean. Or whatever. I, I liked ice bean. I, uh, I liked ice bean. You, you could, I, I I thought that stuff. I mean, somebody I, I, had to like it. They sold it. I I was somebody who liked ice bean. I, so. I, but but do you do you remember that there was this fake cheese called soy soy maj, I think it was. Yes. It was horrible. It was horrible. Yeah, it was horrible. But, but I would buy it every six months, you know, to see if they improved the flavor or something. But every six yeah, months, I'm never horrible. buying this again. You know, it was, it was absolutely horrible. I agree with you. It was absolutely horrible. And and, and the um, thing is, you, you, but can, now, you can try some things these days that are horrible too. But don't think that that represents all vegan. You know, I mean, like there there, there can still be some losers out there that you try, but there are so well, many I, good I, ones. I, you I, know. I, but the, the losers, the losers get get knocked off the market fairly quickly because the market now is such that the fake products are so good. I mean, I I, I actually don't like. I mean, I I, um, I the fake meat stuff just turns my stomach. I, I don't like it. It makes it grosses me out. Since several years ago, no, probably ten years ago. I was at someone's house for Thanksgiving and they had tofurkey and I I had my first piece of tofurkey that had that fake skin. And I ate it. I excused myself, and I lost it oh. because it was. I just, I just. I thought, holy God, this tastes like skin. I mean, it tastes just like did, skin. Did you eat skin as a child? Yeah. Was there skin in your in your kitchen? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I Whenever ate, I ate skin too. Now that I, now I'm getting that sick reaction right now. Remember it. And you know, and occasionally I I don't eat that stuff at all. Occasionally I'll buy it like as a treat for the dogs. You know, because I mean. Although they really, they, they, our, our dogs are very happy little vegans. I have to say they are very, very happy vegans, all of them. And, and, you know, we're now on dog 26 or whatever. And, um, our dogs have been vegan for short, a little shorter than we, I mean, because when we first be, became vegans, it took us a while to sort of figure out what to do with dogs. Um, but, um, and, and, uh, but, but they're very happy vegans. Occasionally I will buy them. You know this fake sausage stuff, or you know, or the fake cheese. They like the fake. They like the the diet cheese or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, so occasionally I get them that stuff. And um, I have to say, I I had a small piece of diet when I first started buying it for the dogs, 
in it, you know, the the difference in fake cheese now. I mean, you know, from what it used to be to what it is now is 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 incredible. Wow. They have this they have this almond cheese that is incredible. Mm-hmm. These fake, you know, these 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 uh, you know these sausages and you know fake. A, a meat. lot of the cheese slices, you know, are are really. Uh... Cheese slices have come a long way, like American well, that's, cheese. That's what, I, that's what I buy. That's what I buy. I buy the dogs. If I want to get them a treat, I might buy them a, a package of the diet cheddar slices or whatever they go. You know, they like because follow your heart makes um, yeah. slices, and then also field roast those uh, chow. I guess there are C I A O or whatever those. I, those I, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I tried that. I tried, but I mean, basically, I you know this the the, the meat stuff just grosses me out. Like you can't believe. I just find it really horrible, mm-hmm. and. But but if if you want the taste of meat, you can get it. And I cannot believe for the life of me that, you know, they're going to get cultured meat, which is going to like sort of everyone's going to say, wow, this is great. I'm going to stop eating non-cultured meat for that. I mean, the bottom line is no, always- nobody wants it. That's, that's the whole thing. Only the vegans want this to the market. Do you think people are sitting in McDonald's now going, wow, I can't wait till cultured meat comes out so I can trade in this crap? You know, I mean, it's like... <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And I, I, I saw some, some, you know, one of these, you know, they have these research groups, which are basically um, welfareists funded by welfareists who say that welfareists are right. And, um, and, and they were saying that, well, you know, most, most you know, some high- like Nick Cooney phonolytics or something. <laughs> exactly, exactly. What we call faux analytics. Um, and so faux analytics uh, put out some nonsense about how most Americans would you know, our, something about their, I, I'd have to look at it. I looked at the study and it was, it was the way they were describing it was, I think, problematic. But um, the bottom line is the fact, the fact that people say, well, I'd be willing to try it. People are, are, are saying that they're willing to, you know, to, to, to try anything, but it doesn't mean that they're willing to try it to the exclusion of eating their McDonald's hamburgers, you know? And, and so it's not that they're saying, well, I'm willing to stop eating, you know, the non-cultured meat so that I can, you know, have a period of time on the cultured meat. It's cultured it, meat Tuesdays, everybody. Cultured exactly, meat Tuesdays. Exactly. Meatless so, Mondays and then cultured meat Tuesdays. Exactly. And so it's just absolutely ridiculous. But um, so I was very disappointed to see Phil um, pimping this stuff. Um, I didn't understand it. I, I don't understand I, it. I'm, I'm disappointed every time I see anybody embrace cultured meat well i mean i i i agree with you but i was particularly i was particularly um uh upset to see phil because you know even though phil um you know i don't agree with phil and phil doesn't agree with me on everything i thought we were pretty much agreed on the idea that veganism was a moral imperative but the bottom line is just you can't promote cultured meat if you believe that veganism is a moral imperative and so um you simply can't, and um, and so um, and you maybe you should have a show where you can in, invite Phil on. As a matter of fact, you should. But I, I mean, Phil, you know, you know Phil. I know Phil. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both know Phil. Know Phil for a long time, and uh, maybe you should have a show where he comes on and we can talk about. You know, we can talk about that because um, it is simply the case that if you promote uh, cultured meat, you cannot. You cannot. Um, you can only promote it in, in a consequential. 
consequentialist way in which you're basically saying, well, you know, there'd be many fewer rights violations, but you're still promoting some rights violations, which, which is is not, which is inconsistent with the idea that uh, veganism is a moral imperative, and that w you know we have to, you know, w we we cannot justify animal exploitation, and and um, so you know I, I was very surprised to 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 hear him, to hear him, you know, or not hear him. I didn't hear him. I saw I read something he wrote, and. Um, but and the thing is, this this will lead to, you know, from what I hear, it'll it'll be like people who want to eat panda meat will now be able to eat panda meat. You know, they, it'll just open widen the the spectrum of the animals whom people eat to to a degree. Like, oh, let you know, the, let's get cells from, uh, uh, you know, from 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 any from any animal. It, it'll expand the animals people eat theoretically. You know, I don't know who wants to eat panda, but. Uh, well, you know, I, I I agree with you. It's 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 um, and it it just reinforces the idea. This is one of the reasons why I don't like fake meat. You know, well, I I mean, you know, I I one of the reasons why I don't promote um the soy meats and all the tempeh meats and all that crap is um because I want to get people away from this idea that if they're not eating meat, they're somehow deprived. That you know that that that. They're not eating dinner if there's not if there's not meat or some meat analog on the table. They're not eating, and you know that somehow there's something missing in the meal, and and I think we need to get away from that. I also think you know it's like an example I used some years ago for which I got a lot of crap, which I I, I don't know why because I think it's a perfectly valid example. I said if someone is is um, you know uh, assaulting women. And stops assaulting women and assaults blow-up dolls, you know, these plastic sex dolls or whatever, and starts beating up a plastic sex doll. Obviously, that's a hell of a lot better than than um, you know uh, harming a, a woman. Um, but there's something creepy about beating up the sex doll. There's something, I mean, and there's something creepy about you know continuing. I mean, if you came into my house and I said, Bob. Here's a replica of a lampshade made from human skin um, from the Second World War. This is not a real lampshade. It's a replica lampshade. You would probably say, well, I'm glad you don't have a real human skin lampshade. This is a bit odd. Why do you have this? And I think that if, you know, if we think that there's something horribly wrong with the real thing, it's not clear to me why we want to participate. However, I understand that this is a complicated issue, and I'm not telling people that I think that they shouldn't eat the fake meat. If that's what they want to eat, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that they're acting morally. I, I just, I'm not comfortable with it. And what I'm trying to do is get people to sort of stop thinking about animals as food. And part of that is you stop thinking about fake animals. You stop thinking about about the the fake animal products as as, as food. Mm -hmm. You just get away from the whole idea of 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 animals as food, so that you know. Because it, it it just it reinforces this idea that animals are things to eat, and and I think we need to move away from that. But sure, um, you know what bothers me how how animals are being called protein now, like they yeah. they're they're not even an, they're they're not animals, they're they're not anybody, they're 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 protein, they're just called protein. That's just so uh, so offensive, I think. Yeah. I agree. I I agree with you. I mean, look, what's going what's going on now is. It's problematic in so many different ways, um, and 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 it's really it's really distressing to see all of these animal people. Of course, you know the 
the animal movement is the animal movement is the snake oil mo- you know is the, it, you know the, the animal people are the snake oil salespeople of the you know the the 18th 19th centuries you know the if people still you know believe that snake oil would cure illnesses you would have the animal people running around selling snake oil because that's that, that's what they are they're a bunch of snake oil salespeople and um and you know so so they're you know they're busy promoting um you know co- cultured meat, happy exploitation and everything, and selling out the animals as quickly as they can. And all of them holding out their hands for their donation. Give me money for, for my Patreon account. And um, and it's it's uh, it's appalling. It really is appalling to see what the hell's going on. But it is, you know, it is. I think, there, there, you know, there, there's uh, like a, a dog food that's all, that's uh, out or being released that is cultured protein, you know? Oh, is it really? I, you know, I, had, I did, Anna and I did a webinar yesterday. And and um, uh, and one of the questions, you know, and it's great because we get hundreds of people sign up for these things, and we do them for free. We do them, we do it for two hours straight. And and um, uh, Alan O'Reilly uh, does a great job of, you know, he he runs the software which I could never. It's, it blows my mind. I mean, you have to you have to. It's complicated, and so he he manages the software, and so he's got and he maintains a, a, a sort of a chat room and then we've got a bunch of people who will, will sort of be interacting with people um, during the webinar who want to ask questions we've got a team of people volunteers who sit and they'll they'll answer questions and stuff and um, and and one of the and then Alan will you know like if, if, if a question comes through that Alan thinks we should talk about he'll say now we've got a question from so-and-so who wants to know and Somebody, I forgot who the person's name was, but because he only uses first names. But somebody, you know, Joe, Mary, somebody says um, whether or not I think it's all right to culture meat to feed cats. And they said, "Oh, the Wait, cat." I, I think you broke up a second there. I, I didn't quite hear what somebody said. The, what the, the the question was whether or not it was all right to culture meat to feed cats. Ah. And I said, "Look, I said I don't have any cats." I have dogs, and we had one rescued cat that we found in an, that had been abandoned in a house, and um, we found out about that, and we went to the house, and we got the cat, and we had the cat in the house for a couple of days, and it was chaos. I mean, it's chaos when you have six dogs. When you have six dogs and a cat, then you understand a different level of chaos, and, um, and, and so we don't really know very much about cats. We have lots of friends who have cats, and you know what? Most of our friends overwhelming number of our friends including veterinarians have vegan cats hmm. so um, our, our dogs are vegan have been vegan for decades now. you know and we use I mean they love the evolution pet food that they make out in Minnesota yeah, yeah. I put I, I put the evolution out back and uh, raccoons love it too I have to say the raccoons are loving oh, yeah, yeah. I mean I, I'll give it I'll give a shout out to Eric Weissman and the people over at evolution mm-hmm. uh, and because the stuff that they that they make, I mean, I don't know it, it, what you're feeding Daisy these days, but we we feed our dogs a combination of the soft food, the stuff that that Weissman does, and the um, and the kibble. He has the the maximum life um, kibble, which our dogs. Um, I mean, I don't I don't feed our dogs meat. I cannot believe that they would that they. I mean, I have to keep the the kibble in a closet 
in a plastic, we have it in a plastic thing. If God forbid, if our dogs get into that closet, they will rip that thing apart. I mean, they love. Do, do you that. put water on it, or do they? Yeah, 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 yeah. We see. Yeah, we saw. Well, what we do is we 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 put water in some of it, and then we give them some dry kibble with it for their teeth because it helps you know it helps sort of clean their teeth they have a little bit of crunchy stuff and um or at least this is what eric tells me so i listen to what eric tells me and um and and he said you should give them some dry and some wet and that's what i do and i give them some uh, some of the soft food and they love it and i also give them brussels sprouts or broccoli or lentils and stuff mm -hmm. and they love it. So nuts for it. Yeah, and, Daisy uh, likes this, the soft uh, food, yeah, soft yeah. evolution, and and I'm amazed that you know she likes it every day. I think it's yeah. amazing because uh, you know I can make certain things and she'll like them one day and then the next day she's not interested, but uh, she keeps coming back to this. So I don't know what his secret flavoring is, but uh, he's putting he's putting he puts meat in there. Uh, he puts cult cultured meat. This uh, this, but, but, know, this, I, this company is called Wild Earth. You know they're selling yeah, this uh, I, I, dogs. I, I've, I've heard I've heard about this. And they call it Koji. So so that so it's not like hey we have lab meat for your dog and cat. No, it's it's Koji, uh, a whole uh, protein. Uh, a whole protein for dogs, they you know, but but I feel like that's experimenting on uh, on dogs and cats by feeding them this too, isn't it? I mean, yeah. well, I mean, look, I, I don't, you know, that's an issue, but for me, the primary issue is I, I said to in the webinar yesterday, I said, look, you know, most of our friends who have cats who are serious vegans have vegan cats, and I think it takes a little bit of work to get your cat, you know, it's not, I don't think it's. Uh, it's exactly as easy with dogs. It's totally easy. Um, and you know, we bring dogs into this house. We never wean them off of meat. They come into this house. There ain't no meat. So they either eat vegan or they go hungry. And you know what? Never had a dog. We've never had a dog say, gee, you know, I don't like this vegan stuff. I'm not going to eat it. Um, they all inhale it. And, um, so, you know, but I mean, I think cats may be a little more work, but, um, I think if you're willing to put that time in, um, you'll, you know, most, mo most, the overwhelming number of cats, I think it's clear can, can be vegan. Um, and what I said was, you know, I said, what do you do in a situation? Hypothetical. Let's take the hypothetical, um, where you absolutely, you tried everything and a particular cat is going to really be ill if the cat doesn't eat meat products. Now, I don't know why they would be, to be honest with you, because meat products, they have taurine, but the taurine is usually added because the pro the food's been so processed that the natural taurine is no longer existent. Um, and so they have to add taurine anyway. So it's not clear to me why you can't just add the vegan taurine to anything because you're supplementing with taurine anyway, even with the meat stuff. However, you know, I, again, hypothetically, just take it hypothetically. You have a cat who, after Herculean efforts, it simply can't, you know, isn't going to go vegan and is going to be ill if the cat, you know, is, 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 you know, not eating meat products. What do you do in a situation like that? And I said to this person yesterday, I said, it's morally wrong, um, but it may be excusable because it's a compulsion situation. If you, if you really have a compulsion situation, I mean, this is a product with domestic, problem with domesticated animals, is you, you know, animals make moral messes that we cannot clean up in a tidy way, in a perfect way every time because the problem is, we're, we're living with the consequences of massive exploitation, including domestication, including the whole institution of pets. And so we do the best we can. But, you know, in a situation of compulsion, 
it, it, it really is like the lifeboat or the desert island situation where you don't really have a choice. And and um, it's not that doesn't make it morally right. It's morally wrong. But at least the wrongness of it is mitigated in the same way that if you and I were on a desert island and I killed and ate you, it wouldn't be morally justifiable. I would still be prosecuted. But many of the cases that have been brought against people who have engaged in cannibalism in extreme situations, um, you know, the, the law has looked at that situation and has said that, um, you know, it's wrong and that you shouldn't have done it. It's morally wrong. It's illegal. But we, we mitigate the culpability because we understand the compulsion. Yeah, but you, you, you still would have been eating vegan, though, technically. Yeah, exactly. Because, you're, um, but but uh, um, but but the, th the thing is that, um, I, but I don't think what we should do is to say, well, you know, there are some cats, there are some hypothetical cats out there who are problems. So let's develop, you know, let, let's develop cultured meat. And the answer is no. You know, the, this if you really need to feed that cat, you know, meat, the hypothetical cat that absolutely can't go vegan, go and buy cheap, you know, some cheap meat product at the at the supermarket. Because the bottom line is, is that you're not going to increase demand for animal products because that, that you know, that, that, that food really is slaughterhouse sweepings. Is it right? You know, is it right? No, it's wrong. It's morally wrong. Horrible, terrible. But it's a situation of compulsion. You don't really have a choice. And in a situation like that, I could see it's, you know, that the, the compulsion would mitigate some of the culpability or the culpability. And so, but I don't think we should be you know, producing cultured meat to feed cats or dogs or anybody else. And so, you know, but it, it, it's troubling. And I really wish, I really wish you would ask Phil to come on because I would love to discuss this with Phil because I, I was I was really disappointed when I saw his um, his essay. And then I saw some people who were making comments um, about, you know, critical of his position. And he was very upset with them. And he was saying, you know, you can't question my my uh, credibility as a as a vegan, and you know I've I've got my credibility, and you know and and um, you know you can't you can't question me. And I, I think he was thinking that people were questioning his integrity, which I didn't see people questioning. What I did see people questioning was that um, uh, that he was promoting a non-vegan position, and I think he was getting into the sort of thing about you know well I'm not a binary person. Well. We're binary when it comes to issues of human rights, right or wrong. Slavery's right or wrong. Um, you know, rape, right or wrong. I'm binary when it comes to issues of slavery, when it comes to issues of child molestation, when it comes to issues of rape, when it comes to issues of all sorts of things. I'm, I'm a binary guy. And you know what? Most of us are. Many of us are. I don't want to say most anymore because it's 2018. Things are changing in America. But um, I am a binary well, guy. Should we be binary uh, like then against violence? And, you know, therefore any animal product is going to have violence. So doesn't that break, you know, part of our... Our our vow to the animals. Shouldn't we? Well, be I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, this is. I, I think. It, I think you ought to reach out to Phil and see if he'll come on and talk about it. You know, I mean, I think. I think we'll certainly have a much better discussion than the one I had with Wayne Shun. I think it'll at least be coherent. Um, <laughs> but but um, uh, you know, I mean, Phil's a very smart guy, and and you know, and he's a you know, he's a good guy. I mean, Phil's a, you know, Phil's a Phil's a decent guy. Uh, and I just um, I was I was shocked. To hear him say these things, I was, re or to read what he was saying, and to read some of the comments that he made, um, which were very hostile to the people who were trying to sort of call him on the on the vegan issue. But you know, you might want to reach out to him. It could certainly be a fun show. 
Um, we're talking and, about Philip Wallen then, for people who are hearing us talk yeah, about Phil. So. Wallen, uh, Australian uh, guy, has been been a, been a he runs something called the Kindness Trust or whatever. But however, um, but anyway, so that's that's really what I wanted to talk about this week, and and um, and I want to I'm I'm looking forward to the the uh, LA uh, LA Reggae Vegan Fest, and uh, oh, uh, Doctor Armighty May will be there also. Doctor of Veterinary Medicine, talking about healthy vegan dogs and cats, and she is um, involved with trying to get uh, LA shelters to adopt uh, feeding. Uh, uh, vegan food to dogs in the shelters. So yeah, 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 no, I think that's really. I mean, the thing is, is that <clears throat> I um, it's a real problem because you know you have you know um, you have these shelters and they're feeding animals to other animals, particularly in situations where they you know it's not necessary. The only thing that's that's making them do it is because for a lot of these shelters they get donated food, and so the meat companies will donate donate food because they do it for PR purposes, whereas you know. Places like Evolution, I mean, Evolution is a small company. Um, and, you know, Eric, <laughs> I mean, if Eric started giving shit free food to shelters, I think he does uh, give some free food he does, yeah. to shelters. But, I mean, if he were to do that on any, on any on any scale, Eric would be out of business in five minutes because it's, you know, the, it, it, it's, a, it's a small business. Um, but, um, you know, but I agree. I, I, I think uh, that her efforts to try to get L.A. shelters and all shelters to, you know, we are, I, I, I mean, I always find it odd. Um, I don't often go to the pet store, but sometimes I have to go to get, um, you know, like stuff for their teeth and, and you know, like uh, to, to, to get the vegan teeth cleaner or, you know, whatever. You know, and I, I, I haven't been there or to get, you know, a, a salt block or salt lake for the deer, but I haven't been there in a while. And um, I'm always... Pet food shops are, are houses of horror, really. If you I mean, go was, through the aisles and see how many species are in bags there, it's like I, I want to run in, in, in terror. And it's all people... There's something so weird about it. There's something surreal. Um, you know, that because everybody who goes in there is an animal lover. Everybody who goes in there, you know, is going in there because they really you know they've got a dog or a cat or a rabbit or whatever they got. And they love that animal. It's a family member and it's somebody who really matters to them. And they're going in and they're buying venison and and you know, they go in and they buy rabbit and they go buy venison and pigs and cows and chickens and they're feeding them to their their animals. It is just absolutely bizarre i mean you know i i there are people i know who are um you know who are absolutely opposed to hunting absolutely opposed to hunting but they'll go into a store and they'll buy some crap you know some some can of crap that's got like venison in it and feed it to their dogs and it's like what are you thinking about you know and it's it's just bizarre and it's like you know what do you think the deer died of old age i mean you know and 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 i just don't understand I don't understand people, but then again, it's 2018. I I sort of like live in a state of perpetual confusion. When I get up in the morning, it's like, what's going to happen today? It's going to make me wonder whether or not I'm on Mars. Well, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting being an alien on this planet. So sure, you know, exactly. might as well enjoy the show. Exactly. Well, I look forward. Let, let's let's not wait as long. And, and you know, if you have anybody like really hot on, like this Oxford fellow who was talking about climate change, you know. Call your old friend. Don't forget your old <laughs> friend, Bob. The guy's 
the neighborhood. You know, don't forget, <laughs> don't forget the people from well, the. I, you know, you're you're this world traveler. Sometimes I don't know if you're here. You're in the UK. Yeah. I don't know where. You're I actually, I actually, I tell you something. I've cut down my travel incredibly because traveling is bad for the environment. And so I try. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of you know many of the speaking things I do, I now do by Skype. And and it's because, you know, and I tell people, look, you know, um, first of all, they don't mind it because they don't have to then pay my transportation. Um, and, you know, and I, I don't charge to speak. I, I refuse to take money to do animal work. And so, um, I, you know, but but I, I, um, I, I try to cut down on the travel. I still do some, obviously. And there are still things, there's still certain sorts of things that you can't really do by Skype. You can't really, you know, you can't really do certain sorts of events like, you know, like, like a big, like a big event, like a, you know, an, like a big LA reggae vegan yeah, fest. Yeah, you can't, you can't do, you can't do that sort of thing. So get on your bicycle now. It's October yeah, exactly. 7th. You should be here. Exactly. But anyway, so I look forward to talking with you and and um, and, uh, you know, let's let's do let's do this again. Remember, remember the old people from the neighborhood and, and uh, remember us. It's so and, hard uh, for me to fall back into that accent. I, 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 I took classes on how to, you know, get get out of that accent. So did you, did you take classes on how not to speak like you're from how the not to speak New York. How not to speak New York. And, and it, it, it came down to, well, you know, I wanted a job in radio. You know, you're not, nobody's going to hire me my first job in New York City. So people are going to want to understand me in all the places around the country where I'm living. So, but the basic first lesson is put ours where they belong and take ours out, you know, where they don't belong. Where they don't belong. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, it's not like I saw Linda yesterday in the park. I you saw know, him. Just, I just saw that him sentence alone, park. like, you know, like takes months to, of study to get to get right, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, Bob, I have to say you've come a long way from the Bronx. Um, but anyway, well, listen, yeah. And ask Phil if, you, if, if, if you know, you want to uh, you want to have a debate style show. Then I think that would be a, a good thing to do, and it would be so much more, you know, useful than you know deba debating some of these, um, some of the instant activist crowd. Um, and um, you know, let's show up and tell people they ought to be activists. Should they be vegan? No, 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 no. Talk about that's so bizarre to want people to be activists but not vegan when vegan is the highest form of activism. I, yeah, I well, quite get that. But, but okay. no, no, no. You're not supposed to say that. That's actually harmful for the animal rights movement. People have to be activists, not vegans. I'll tell you something, Bob. I'll tell you. There are some people who um, who just are confused. Anyway, I hope to talk to you soon, Bob. Okay, most likely uh, in about a week. All right. Take care, Bob. Take okay, care. Bye-bye. GoVeganRadio.com On Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. On Twitter, at Go Vegan Radio. Please do visit the website, LAReggaeVeganFest.com And we have a page on Facebook, which is uh, Reggae Vegan Fest. 
Reggae Vegan Fest on Facebook. We look forward to Professor Gary Francione on the main stage Sunday, October 7th at Woodley Park. Um, and he will also be doing a presentation in the Free College of Vegan Knowledge, open to the public. No admission charge there, just south of LA Reggae Vegan Fest. And ticket holders will be able to go back and forth to the Free College of Vegan Knowledge. You can go see speakers if you want, come back for the music, whatever you want to do. It is up to you. You can come and go as you please. To get your discount tickets right now at LAReggaeVeganFest.com. And uh, we will see Professor Francione there. Um, check out the speaker page at LAReggaeVeganFest.com. Uh, Dr. Antenna Robo will be there. I think he'll be on my show here. Could be next week, our next show. I do believe we're planning a dinner with Dr. Roba the Monday night after LA Reggae Vegan Fest. So it looks like maybe Monday, October 8th, we'll have a dinner at Rahel's Vegan Ethiopian Restaurant in Los Angeles. That will be a benefit for both uh, the International Fund for Africa, Dr. Roba's group, and Go Vegan Radio as we attempt to pay the bills uh, for uh, organizing L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest. It's like building a whole city in one day. I mean, I'm working with everyone, the health department, the fire department, the parks department, building permits, you know, just everything. Don't forget the portable toilets, the sinks, the water, um, the EMTs. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, for one day, we'll, we'll have that perfect little city, Woodley Park, a vegan, a vegan city right there, meat, dairy, fish an egg free zone honey free zone too honey is not vegan and you know when you see an event that says no animals were harmed in the production of this event well we take that to heart <laughs> we take that to heart with la reggae vegan fest uh, as one love includes the animals it's one love all species not only will no animals be uh, harmed for our event, uh, we hope they'll be helped. <laughs> we hope we'll be saving them. Um, and the way we do that is we stop eating them, we stop wearing them, we stop using them. And don't worry, you can do it. Vegan food is the most delicious food. And you'll find out about uh, vegan Cuban food coming up next with Caro Lafori of Equelacqua Vegan Cuban Restaurant in Inglewood. She's going to be one of the vendors, one of the food vendors at LA Reggae Vegan Fest. So do get your um, tickets now. Discount tickets at LAReggaeVeganFest.com. Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com On Twitter at GoVeganRadio Facebook, GoVeganRadio with Bob Linden And of course, there is LA Reggae VeganFest.com Coming up 
quickly. It's coming up October seventh. This once in a lifetime first ever. What it well? What is it? I don't know. Is it a uh, world class uh, day long concert? Is it a food festival? Is it an environmental event? What what is it anyway? I don't know. Is it a gathering for the animals? It's uh, or maybe it's all of the above. And uh, oh, so uh, we're in the context of it being a food festival. We're going to put an ad in the uh, L.A. Weekly that comes out the Thursday before um, our event. Uh, Daisy's all excited about that, and uh, <laughs> and uh, it's a it's a food special. It's a, it's a special food issue. So I want to make sure that people uh, are aware that uh, we are going to have amazing vegan food at LA Reggae Vegan Fest and I'm really excited that we are going to have a Kelequa Vegan Cuban Cafe with Caro yes. La Fer... La Fori. La Fori. La Fori. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I actually, I, I tutored Spanish in high school. Not that I can remember anything or everything would have to be in the, uh, would have to be uh, in the present. I don't think I can figure out past and future yes. anymore. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, and when I lived in Miami, um, People told me that when I tried to speak Spanish, it didn't sound like I had an accent because I, I, I pretty much practiced all my life how to roll R's, you know. Oh, so, very good. So, so caro, no problem. I, my yeah. name, you know, me llamo Roberto, right? So nice. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I had my friend Carlos, uh, Carlos Betancourt in public school, so he he tutored me on rolling the R's, and there apparently you go. <laughs> that quali- that qualified me to tutor Spanish in high school. Um, oh. so, <laughs> So, um, so I, I did. Did I get a Kelequa right? A Kelequa. A Kelequa. Yes. E- say it again. A Kelequa. A Kelequa. Okay. Yeah. A Kelequa. Okay. And I don't remember. I don't remember that as a word in high school when I was tutoring. What? What does that? Was that? What well, does that mean, Carol? Um. You know, there's a. I've gotten into quite a few debates with people about this. So. Um, but I obviously had to do my research when I was opening a restaurant with this name. And so a lot of people believe that it's like of some form of like French or Italian derivative. Um, I guess, you know, to a certain degree that's possible. However, um, I have spoken to a couple of linguists who are from Nigeria and who happen to also be Igbo people and they pretty much have reassured me that ekele is a greeting in their language. And there was um, a lot of, you know, Africans taken to Cuba during the time of slavery. And so a lot of them were actually of the Igbo people. And so their culture is very much entrenched into the Cuban culture. And so Ekele was agreeing amongst the Igbo people and the Kwa from what these linguists have explained to me is what they call an intensifier word when you have an oral and not a written language. And so an intensifier word would be taking the place of an exclamation mark. So the Kwa is that. So Ah. Ekele Kwa is like you're very happy to see your friend and you're greeting them. It's also a way in their language of saying thank you or of giving praise so wow. you can be angry, qua, you can be happy, qua, and you can be very grateful and be ekele, qua. 
All right. And we want people to go vegan qua. Right? Yes. Go vegan qua. <laughs> but I will throw an asterisk in there and say that Cuban people don't really use it that way at all. <laughs> Not yet. Um, we kind of use it the way um, like Jamaicans kind of use the phrase give thanks. So like if you're trying to figure something out and somebody gives you the answer, we kind of use it as a way to affirm you know, what someone else is saying. So it's kind of like saying, yeah, that's it. Or just giving it an affirmation. If we're something, or if I'm listening to other people debate and you're saying something I agree with, I can just be like, or if somebody goes Cuban and vegan and you really want to be like, yeah, that's it. Then <laughs> Cuban and vegan. Um, yes. we, we can't just use the qua as an exclamation point, like go vegan qua. Uh, you know, I'm not really sure, but, uh, you know, I'm sure we can uh, work it out until uh, let's, let's some, get a ling- some evil ling- person uh, cook. Can we get a linguist on the phone here like, right, right now? <laughs> we need a linguist. So, um, so um, Caro, Caro uh, La Foire. Did si. I get that right again? Did I get it? La Foire. La Foire. Okay. Si. Um, and it's actually so, French, the name. It's well, not that's a why, Spanish that's last what, name. <laughs> that's, what, that's what threw me. I, I, if, yeah. if it was spelled more like a, a Spanish. Yeah, because I'm looking at L-A-F-A-U-R-I-E, and it's like, yeah. and I never took French and never, I don't get it. So that's, yeah. what, that's what's throwing me here. I apologize. Um, and uh, vegans are smart, though, so they will be able to catch on with the name of a restaurant with four syllables. I, I do believe. Yes. Uh, and and uh, <laughs> it's uh, if, uh, it's at 1120 West Florence in Englewood. Is that correct? So that is where we currently are at. And then at some point between now and um, the beginning of 2019, my father is joining forces with me and we will be opening a, v- a Cuban vegan restaurant, bar, and nightclub in the city of Long Beach that will be called Alabao. Uh, that will be called what? <laughs> I know. I don't, I just don't when I'm, make just it when easier. I'm getting, just when I'm learning, you're, you're changing on it? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so that one will be Alabao, which means praiseworthy. Ah, spell that I, yeah. for my, for my, uh, for, for the students I'm, t- yeah, I'm for tutoring sure. at Stuyvesant High School. Spell it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. It's A-L-A-B- a apostrophe O. So in Cubans, we kind of have, you know, this little, we talk fast and we have this accent. So technically the word is alabado, but we kind of always eat off those Ds and throw apostrophes in there and talk really fast. So alabado gets turned into alabao. Ah, okay. All yeah. right. Okay, so um, we'll find it. We'll, we'll find it. Where, where is that? So that's yeah. going to be in that's going to be in uh, Long Beach, you say? So yeah, that'll be in the city of Long Beach. Okay, so I I hate to show my my uh, well, I hate to plead ignorance or I hate to show my ignorance because you know as as the host of a, a radio show for 17 years, I'm I'm supposed to know everything, and <laughs> <laughs> and I must say, I don't know anything about cuban food i don't now how is this possible that i've lived my whole life um and you know it it actually got me thinking you know about the um you know ethnicities of food and international food Mm -hmm. and what 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 foods you discover when in life i mean i remember growing up in new york city in manhattan upper manhattan i remember my parents took me there were two restaurants, basically a Chinese restaurant and a, and a and an Italian restaurant, and right. I, I knew of no other 
ethnicities. I I didn't know Mexican food existed until I moved to California. California, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then, then it seemed like I was in Florida and discovered Indian food. It's like, how how have I been missing all of these? And I lived in Miami. I, I Crazy, did, did, really? Didn't, yeah, I didn't find myself in a Cuban restaurant. Maybe it's because, I, well, I considered myself vegetarian, although I, I wasn't... Uh, so I, you know, I hate when I called myself a vegetarian when uh, I wasn't vegan and really, <laughs> I mean, I, I I meant well, but I wasn't really accomplishing or doing what I meant to do by um, you know, still consuming animal products. I mean, I couldn't believe that I, I called myself vegetarian when I was eating fish, which, you know, I mean, I was in Miami. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. in Miami. I'm calling myself a vegetarian and I'm eating at, uh, what was it, Joe's? Crab House, I think it was the famous place mm -hmm. there, and the Fontainebleau at the uh, right. <laughs> buffet with the bagels and locks and all of that. And so, right. but you know, v vegan in uh, 1984 and put all of that uh, behind me. But I think wow. I, I may have avoided restaurants thinking that well, it's just going to be a, a meat restaurant. Like I, I, I couldn't name one Cuban. Um, dish for you if i were on a talk you know on, on a game show now and it's like okay bob you'll win a million dollars name a cuban dish uh, like how am how am i that ignorant that and you know i'm glad you're going to have cuban food at uh, la reggae vegan fest so uh we can get some idea of what it is but tell me first of all how have i missed it is were there no cuban restaurants you know around me anywhere like that? i mean i don't know um, so Miami definitely is flooded with with Cuban restaurants. And then in L.A., it's, you know, when I was growing up, so say like late 70s, early 80s and then the 90s and whatnot, it was really more centralized in like the Glendale Burbank area. And now it seems to have moved down over to like maybe more the Downey area. Um, and so really, you know, unless you were probably already in those regions, you would probably be hard pressed to find Cuban food, you mm. know, in L.A., you know, w with the plethora, you know, of Mexican restaurants. When people think of Latin food and they live in California, that's really what their brain automatically goes to is, oh, Mexican food. Right. A um, Asian restaurants, Mexican restaurants. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, mm. Cuban food is very different from Mexican food food the only i would say similarities but then it's similar to most other people on the planet is that we eat beans and rice but even the type of beans that we eat are different and then the way we cook them and spice them are different um the first thing i usually tell people who oftentimes make that mistake is you know cuban food is not spicy so if you're looking for something that's going to kind of give your tongue that little burn cuban food is normally not the way to go for that cuban food is flavorful but it's not picante is spicy mm -hmm. um but then so for us having a cuban restaurant in los angeles where everybody loves spice and picante spice we did kind of have to make you know some dishes and do you know some adaptations and, and at least put hot creations. sauce on the but table for the most right part, at least at least put some hot right, sauce right <laughs> exactly and and you know but oddly you know oddly enough we're a caribbean restaurant so we don't use like a, a traditional like say the the kind of like red pepper sauce that you would find in like maybe the South. And we don't use a Mexican salsa either. What we really use on our table is more of the Jamaican style, like a pica pepa or a graces, something that really lends more to um, the Caribbean palate because we found that that really went better with our food. We tried it with the other kind types of hot sauces and just found that like 
something that really does have that more tropical flavor to it just pairs better with our with our dishes mm. so that's usually we have like a you know it'll, it's usually like something that's sweet as well as spicy because cubans really like sweet stuff and mm. we that's usually our flavor palette we go like sweet and and we go like salty you know it's not really like a spicy picante thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so another thing i would say about cuban food is our real traditional go-to's you know sans the pork and the meat side of it are things like black beans red mm-hmm. beans mm-hmm. white rice um you know other now, staples I, like I yuca which is if, which if, is a ground if, root if i were on that quiz show and they said name uh, you know one cuban dish i i might have said rice and red beans i might have said that mm-hmm. that would have been my, yeah you know so um so. but ground food is really you know um big in cuba so things like yuca or cassava root malanga um, boniato, which is sweet potato. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of foods that come from the ground are real common, especially like those are usually babies' first foods. Ah. So most Cuban babies, their first foods are like malanga or yuca or a sweet potato, some kind of yam, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so. And that makes up a good part of your menu, then I'm sure, because that qualifies as yeah. vegan. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So. And then of course, you know, you you can't be in the Caribbean and leave out plantain be it regular banana or, you know, planted macho, the big, big ones, you know, we use them in every stage. I tell people, you know, bananas to people of the Caribbean are like shrimp to bubble gump, mm-hmm. you know, we'll boil them, fry them, bake them, you know, we'll add sugar, we'll put salt, you know, it just depends on the stages, but we'll use it in every stage that that Banana or, banana or plantain or both, are you saying? Both. Or both. Okay. Yeah. Now yeah. I, I have to say, so, like, I, you know, just going back to my elementary school days with Carlos, my my friend there, uh-huh. who taught me how to roll the R's. So uh, th- that was something that I noticed on. Uh, they were uh, Puerto Ricano, so um, but they were they were having um, bananas, you know, the fried bananas, fried plant. They were having pl- bananas and plantains. I, that part I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh-huh. So Which like people find lot. it strange, but like if we don't have plantains, we will gladly slice up a regular yellow banana on top of some black beans and white rice. Ah. People have no idea how delicious that is. And oftentimes they look at us like we're crazy, but it is like the greatest thing to us. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I was going to say, and then when it comes to the Caribbean and its food, you know, Puerto Rican food, Dominican food, and Cuban food, they're very similar. We we may name things something different, but our food is pretty much the same. And that comes from the fact that we have – pretty much the same ethnic makeup so the same indigenous people that were in cuba are the same indigenous people that were in puerto rico and dominican and those would be the taino people so our food is a blend of taino traditional food it's a blend of african west african more in particular traditional foods and then the spanish traditional foods and it's like it's kind of like our music and our traditional dances they're just a complete fusion and blend of these three cultures mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'll, i will bet that uh, indigenous people were more vegan than than we think these days you know i think uh if we really go back to the roots we'll find you know in africa here in uh wherever we are um yeah <laughs> well definitely we know like in the caribbean per se um because they're islands most you know island people and that were local seafaring people they tend to eat a lot of ground food again the you know yams and 
you know, potato type foods and, you know, and then a lot of seafood because that's what's available around them, you know. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, yeah, we know two hunter and gatherers pretty much their main subsistence came from stuff from the earth, Mm -hmm. not stuff with a beating heart. Right, right, right. So, um, and so, I mean, this is and this is the first vegan Cuban cafe, first and only in the country, maybe in the world, right? I mean, well, yeah. Know. Right now, it's the only like. Well, we were the first legit like vegan Cuban, I think, business, if you will, that like just really dedicated itself to those that combination or that niche, if you will, and then we were the first. Well, right now, I believe we still are the first and only brick-and-mortar actual Cuban vegan restaurant. There is um, a couple of people, you know, kind of doing pop-ups now that kind of feature that combination. There's uh, a lady, a young lady, I guess, here in L.A. that's doing it. And there's another sister in Oakland. Um, what is the, Oh, I think her name, the one in Oakland, I believe it's Prima's Cuban Corner is the name of that one. But, um, you know, so there are other people doing it, and that's, you know, great. I mean, it's it's ethnic food, so nobody has a patent, if you will, or a, a copyright on anything. So, mm-hmm. but you know. But you, you had this idea to do it, and uh, how how are you the one? Why why did you think to do this? How, what's your background and um, interest in, in being vegan and eating vegan? So here's the thing for me, really, is I never had any intentions of ever opening a restaurant to begin with. It I kind of, you know, it's one of those classic and tired kind of like, you know, friends go into business together and, you know, it just kind of falls apart. And in our case, it all felt I was, you know, I had a little money nest egg. I was going to invest in someone else's concept. And then that person backed out, but I had already signed the lease and everything was in my name. So I would kind of a restaurant. It wasn't really a goal of mine. It was more something that fell on my head. And anyone who knows me knows I am not a cook. <laughs> I'm not really a kitchen person. So my friends actually know me like legitimately as like the one person they all know that can burn water. I'm <laughs> notorious for setting the kettle on for tea and then walking away, forgetting about it and coming back in the pots like got a hole in the bottom of it. Right. So, you know, um, I kind of got stuck with a restaurant and I was took me two weeks of thinking, oh, this person well, is going to have to come back because, you know, this was his plan, not really mine. And who was going to give up on that, you know, and two weeks went by and the person never showed back up. And I was like, wow, I'm kind of like stuck with a restaurant and I don't cook. So I don't know what the heck I'm really <laughs> supposed to do with this. And my mom happened to come by there one day looking for me, I guess. And she was like, you know, are you okay? Like, what are you going to do? And I don't know why in that moment I just looked at her and I thought Cuban vegan. And she was like, confused like you want me to go and make you something to eat like what are you saying to me and I was like I think I should try and just do a Cuban vegan restaurant and she was like yeah so you kind of maybe want to throw away all the money you just invested into this business okay <laughs> and I thought about it and I was like look and I had a conversation with them I said you know think about it all the family functions we always like I always bring something vegan and my Colombian uncles will eat through it before I can even get get to it or my son can get to it and so they must like it and they don't even know half the time what they're eating they're just like it's yummy well, it so they gobble like it down you know it sounds like they're eating uh, overcooked water wasn't that what you're you, you, would bring you know to a, so <laughs> right so <laughs> to so gathering. to be honest with you like the only thing i knew how to make 
really like well um was um this vegan you know cuban style picadillo which is like a ground beef and you know cubans we make it with uh, green olives and our sofrito sauce and my mother's from the eastern side of the island so they like to throw raisins into a lot of food so we add our raisins to it and people love it so i was like you know we we can and i thought to myself you know all these other restaurants do it i go to thai places and they've they're using mock meats to mimic all these other traditional Thai dishes. And so are these Japanese restaurants and Chinese restaurants. And I was like, well, why can't I just do that and, you know, develop an array of our traditional dishes? And my mom was like, okay, I think you're probably going to end up throwing away your money. But if this is what you want to do, I'll help you. And, you know, here we are three and a half years later. And I can honestly tell you that for the last three and a half years, I think she's always been the first one in the door in the morning. And, um, very rarely has she taken a day off. She, she doesn't want you to get to the stove in the kitchen. Is that the idea? To, no, you know, it's not you that. She's just, um, <laughs> you know, she's just very dedicated to, you know, um, you know, I guess just making it work. And, so so um, it's been it's been open now for three and a half years. Almost three and a half. Yeah, yeah. maybe like wow. three in a couple months. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You know, wow. and she's definitely been my backbone. And, you know, she's nowhere near being a vegan. Mm-hmm. And probably has no intentions of ever being a vegan, but she, you know, still supports me and, you know, and she still is like, you know, people should have options no matter what the arrays are. Options are never a bad thing to have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, so, so how, definitely... how's, the, how's the restaurant doing? How how uh, how how's the clientele? How's the following? You know, it's it's progressed every year and every year when I go to that you know, man in that, you know, suit and tie and he goes to do my taxes, I'm always just blown away by the increase in the numbers because, like I said, I never had an intention of opening a restaurant. I've never worked a day in my life in a restaurant until I owned one. I knew nothing. I was very, very green. Um, I have fallen flat on my face over the last three years many, many a times. Well, those, um, those sound actually like good qualifications. Uh, <laughs> you're hired. They, they, yeah. They, they sound yeah, right to me. Yeah, you know, so. <laughs> but, um, you know, me and my mother are both um, very determined people. And, and you know, when we put our minds to something, we just don't like to take no for answers. And we don't like to fail. And so we just really just keep you know, full steam ahead. And, you know, we've had plenty of hurdles in our way and we got big ones still coming ahead of us very soon, but we're just, you know, kind of like that, just that train, you know, just so, so full steam ahead. So, so to do this though, you must be vegan yourself or you must've had the, that interest, right? I mean, you know, I am a vegetarian. I've been vegan on and off throughout the years, but I became a vegetarian when I was 13 and it was 1988 and no one in my family knew really anything about that. And my dad made me write a paper on why I should be allowed to even make this, you know, kind of lifestyle change. And that mm-hmm. was back when, you know, there was a library and all it had was microfiche. You remember that, those things? Yeah. Microfiche. Mm-hmm. There was no Internet. There was no Google it. You know, so I had to go to the library and dive right. into all these little, you know, magazines on. And 99% of it at that time was all, you know, Asian philosophy related. Mm-hmm. And, so, um, so at age 13, you decided that that was what you wanted at that age? That you wanted to be Yeah, vegetarian? I wanted to be a vegetarian. And it, it, in all honesty, I mean, it's kind of funny when I think about it now, when I think like how this has stayed with me through all these years. But in all honesty, at 13, I was, you know, um, an impressionable young teenager. I had kind of gotten into this little goth scene and 
I really like this band called The Smiths, and they had this album, and it was called Meet His Murder, and I didn't understand what the hell that meant, so I looked it up, and I started learning, and, you know, at 13, I probably just wanted to prove that I was cool, and I thought this was a good, <laughs> probably, way of proving it, and it just stayed with me, you know, and like I said, I've been vegan, kind of, you know, I've done my my stints where I was like vegan maybe for like a couple years here. And then I usually, you know, I always tell people it's oddly enough. It usually ended with me traveling to like some third world country and it just being too, just too difficult for me, whether it was a cultural thing and that like, I really didn't want to kind of just feel like, you know, I'm going to offend someone or if it was just maybe more of a health thing where I thought, okay, I'm really losing too much weight too fast. And, I would probably just end up going back to like eggs or cheese. Um, I'm lactose intolerant, so it's kind of weird. But you know, it's I well, kind of we'll, go back we'll, and forth. We'll, but we'll, we'll bring convinced. you home with LA reggae yes. vegan. So I was going to say though, the reason why you know, and when I first opened the restaurant, it actually was both. I had like a veggie burger on the menu that you had the option to have like real cheese, and then we had like a like a regular mango cheesecake, and then those good guys from uh, Happy Cow came and paid me a visit. Two months after I'd opened, and they were like, you know, um, we've been doing this for a really long time. And they're like, we really think we could help your business. How about you just um, scratch that whole vegetarian thing and just go fully vegan? And I was like, you know, I think most vegetarians, we all aspire to be vegan anyway. So I was like, yeah. And then that will help me kind of like, you know, steer more in that direction and I don't claim myself to be a vegan because I know for a fact that I do have the occasional pizza slice and I'm not going to claim something, you know, I'm not going to disrespect the people that really, really live it. If I know that one day I'm going to end up somewhere in a public scope or view eating a slice of pizza. So I'm not going to disrespect people that really do hold firm, you know, to this lifestyle. Well, so we I don't can, claim myself have, to be have, a vegan, we but... Have, we can have Cruiser's peep, uh, pizza delivered, yeah. delivered to Let you. Let me tell you, Cruiser's <laughs> is, I think, the first and only vegan pizza that I've ever had where I was like, yeah, oh, this it's, can it's work. Oh, it's incredible. It, that's great. And then um, if you're ever in Garden Grove, there's a restaurant there called Vegan Pizza, and it's oh, okay. it's, it's the best in the world. I mean, it's so incredible. I mean, the place is yeah, always Yeah, you know, packed, let me and... tell you, and it is getting easier. See, and I think for me what happened is like, you know... I became a vegetarian, I think, back in those times. Like, nobody in my family knew about health food stores, you know what I mean? So I didn't really have access at first to, like, all these faux meats. So at 13, my grandmother, who cooked for a, six, a six-person household, was like, you know, I don't even know what the heck this vegetarian thing is. It just, to her, it seemed like the most unhealthy thing. She told me I'd probably die by 14 of malnutrition. And she's like, I'm, there's no way I can cook for six people and then or five people and just make this little side meal for you. So she was like, this is your thing. You figure it out. So at 13, I was probably pretty much living off of pizza and French fries sure. and spaghetti, you know. Mm -hmm. And then um, when I finally discovered like soy meat, I think I was like had already been vegetarian or a very bad vegetarian, mind you, eating pizza and spaghetti on and off for so long um well spaghetti you know, is good without the yeah. cheese you know without right the grated, so, so when i first discovered you know like vegan or vegetarian ground beef i was like you know i heard like the angels trumpets oh you know and i was mm -hmm. like yes mm -hmm. and i remember asking my grandmother to like make me the picadillo because it's one of my favorite dishes and she would just no i just there was no way she was gonna do it finally i think when i was like 18 
I came home to visit or something and I had it had it with me and I was like almost in tears like please are you really gonna deny me like good Cuban food for the rest of my life mm. and I you know really pleaded my case for it. so she taught me how to make a traditional Cuban picadillo so it's kind of funny when people ask me like what they should order on the menu I'm like you know maybe it's not even the greatest thing on our menu but for me I'm emotionally attached to that one dish you know so I always recommend it so uh, we'll t and tell me what it is. What 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 is it? It's the picadillo. So it's like a, a ground beef dish, and it's made with sofrito, which is like a tomato and wine based sauce that Cuban food is often cooked in. And then they add green olives and raisins and little pieces of fried potato. Mm. And it's super yummy. <laughs> Sounds great to me. So especially knowing that it's uh, not you know. Not not, yeah, not real animal. Um, yeah, so yeah. I was uh, I was in college way before you were born. Um, Nineteen years old, I I was cooking chicken every Friday night. Friends came over to my place and we listened to music and I cooked this chicken dish with apricot sauce or whatever. And then just one Friday night, I looked down and I I saw the body. I said, it, "It's someone's body." Wait, I don't yeah. think, you know. And and I said. I don't think I can eat animals anymore. And I became the first vegetarian I knew, and I didn't know what I was doing, yeah. you know? So it was like, do I do I eat fish? I mean, were the oceans here to, are the oceans here to feed us? I, I don't really say, you know, I'm thinking of scallops. I don't see their faces. Then, you know, I, right. I go around and then everywhere I go, I see, look at all the, the faces on the fish, like, and they're gasping for air. I, no, I can't do that. Yeah. And then I, you know, I, I ate eggs and, and dairy, not really knowing the harm that it did to the animals, that they all would be tortured and killed. And so uh, I did it for the animals. So once I found out about that, I had to be vegan, even though, you know, I, I thought, yeah. well, who gets hurt for eggs? Who gets hurt for milk? And it turns out they're actually yeah. worse. They're actually worse. So, um, and, and, and you really, know, it's funny, yeah. um, raising like a child who was vegetarian. I remember like when he would go through the little peer pressure spurts of like the friends and him wanting to like, you know, him asking me, you know, at different stages of ages, like, oh, he wants to eat chicken or he wants to eat. There was this video that PETA put out. It was called Meet Your Meat. Mm -hmm. I remember it. M-E-E-T, your M-E-A-T. Yep. Mm -hmm. And my mother would get so upset and tell me how it's like cruel and unusual punishment. But I would tell her, you know, if he wants to eat it, he needs to know the process that this thing is going to go through to give its life for him. And I kid you not, I mean, and she would get so, I'm telling you, from the time he was probably like five, I started showing him this video. I think that was the first time he told me he wanted chicken or something. And I was like, okay, well, let's sit down and watch this video so you can see what the little chickens are going to go through first. And if you still want it after you've seen this video, okay, we'll go to the store and, you know, and he, doesn't, of course, he never every, makes it. If everybody in, had to kill uh, the yeah. chickens or pigs or cows uh, that yeah, they want to eat. Yeah, uh... he's never made it past the third minute. Mm-hmm. Ever, yeah. even I think at 15 was the last. He just turned. Well, yeah, he turned 16 today. Actually, it's my baby's birthday. Wow. Um, and I think last year might have been. Um, I think we we had this discussion again, and I think maybe he thought I'd forgotten about the video somehow or something. I was like, oh, oh, really? Oh, okay. We'll check this out. Let's sit down and watch this video. Mm -hmm. And he was like shaking his head, like you're not. No way. And I was like, oh yeah. From five to 15, buddy. You want to eat it? Once again, same concept. You have to. Know
mm-hmm. where it's coming from. And if all you right, can't right, stand what, watching now, that now, process now I, happen, I want, I go, now I want to go back to the cheese on that pizza then. Let's go back to the cheese I on know, that pizza. I and know. and okay. all you have to do is just call cruisers. You know what I mean? Like if you don't yeah, if you, if and, you only have pizza once in a while or whatever, then let's 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 go the whole way and, and because the reason that people go vegetarian is really the reason they should go vegan. I mean, it's either for I animal agree. animal concerns, health, or the environment, right? So those are the reasons yeah. to go vegan. And, you know, I, I as somebody who, who um, deluded – well, I can't say I deluded myself. I'll, I'll just say I was unaware. For, for many years, you know, I just thought, well – you know, cows have to get milked. I didn't know that they, you know, had to get raped to produce a baby who would be kidnapped, and then the cow becomes a hamburger anyway. So what's the point? If I'm eating cheese, I, I might as well eat a hamburger. You know, I mean, it's like, uh, yeah. so, so it, it all just came to like, you know. Yeah, uh, and you know, they, I mean, the strides that they're making too. I mean, just you know, culinarily with the cheeses and these different. Um, foods is amazing too I mean it's getting easier and I tell people like sometimes they come in and they'll tell me how hard it is and I'm like no dude I became a vegetarian in 1988 when these all these array of faux meats and as good as they are today did not even exist right right. I remember when soy ground beef tasted sour and kind of gross but it was all we had so we made do with it you know I tell people like being a vegan today it's really not difficult. So, it's just a so, matter of so there, I was making vegan, the choice. I was vegan before it was cool, starting in 1984 when there was nothing. I didn't even know tofu existed. I was right? I, I was a mess, you know. It was like you yeah, know, I can and, imagine. <laughs> and then and I keep saying there there was one product out called soy maj, which was uh, fake cheese, and it was horrible. It was horrible, and yeah. I tr- I tried it every six months. To see if uh, it had improved, and and it, and it never did. But then along came tofu, and it's like, oh, I I can relate to this texture, and I can put gravy on this, I can put it in soups or sauces or whatever, and it's like, well, okay, yeah, you know, and even um like uh, the brandea, like I've 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 watched it improve just in the last three years with our restaurant. I remember when we first opened the restaurant and we had our Cuban sandwich, and we were using the Daya Swiss cheese slices, and it was so brittle. Like mm-hmm. we would try and like, you know, slice it in half and it would like fall apart and almost turn into crumbly dust on us. Mm-hmm. And now it's like amazing. Yeah, it is Like it is it, the amazing. way it melts. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, they're making so many strides. So definitely like I don't see it too far off in my future, probably sooner now that I'm talking to Mr. Bob Linden. But um, <laughs> it is amazing it, it, to watch it It would be so it, good you know, like for evolve. right now, the commitment to, to be like right now, when we, when we say the dairy protein, the dairy protein is the number one carcinogen to which Americans are exposed. Now, um, now people are somewhat addicted. And I'm convinced that we're addicted to it. We're addicted. I was, that, yeah. was my next, that was my next sentence. You got, you got to it first, I was going to say. That yeah, we are I remember because I was telling somebody, I almost want to see a hypnotist. Yes. Well, here you are. You are going vegan. You are going vegan. Keep your eye on the swinging tofu. You are going vegan. Yes. You know where I went um, last? What was it? I was just in in the Bay Area. So uh, I was driving to go to the Saturn Cafe and passed a place called the Butcher's Sun. Yep. Mm -hmm. Which I'd heard of it, Mm -hmm. you know, but. With a line around the block. Oh my God, the line around the block. And so I didn't get in that time. And then my um, my partner was coming back um, on from a road trip, passing through there, and actually brought some home. And I ate it probably like eight hours after it had been 
bought and created and made for me and it was still so amazing yeah daisy loves daisy loves food from the uh is amazing. Yeah, hundred percent vegan. Yes. And yeah, the line is around the block. Well, you know, the vegan restaurants. I mean, let's face it. I mean, it is what's happening. Vegan is happening, and so many vegan restaurants do have the lines around the block. And you're, yeah, you know, you, you. I mean, you're a pioneer in vegan food right now too. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to know a little bit more about the menu, though. Like, what might be okay. because you also. Like you talk about it being an island nation and then so therefore, you know. So on that note, I will say another difference between like what people think of like when they think Mexican food and like Cuban food and how if it's Latin, it's very similar. Another big difference is like, for instance, in Cuba, like they don't really eat cheese with food. Cheese is really more used for like a dessert thing. So oftentimes like people order our nachos and they're expecting there to be cheese on it. And it's like, well, no, we don't put cheese on our nachos because... It's kind of like our Cuban adaptation of nachos and cheese really isn't like a food item like that in Cuba. It's, you know, they don't kind of like put that on top of stuff like like the way we do here, kind of, you know, mm -hmm. so. Well, it's cheese on everything. The dairy um, industry forces cheese yeah. on cheese. So in yeah, Cuba, yeah. kind of like in Jamaica, too, if you really look at Jamaican food, like even the people that aren't, you know, vegetarian or, or vegan in Jamaica, for the most part, like you don't really see them like if you go and you know you see when people they make like you know oxtail or all these, or your jerk chicken they don't really use cheese mm -hmm. in their cooking you know and mm -hmm. you know cuba and um you know is very similar in that way um you know our food is is like again it's a mix of the spanish the african and the taino um and so you know cuba it's kind of like i i laugh with people sometimes when you know they're trying to order and they're trying to figure it out i'm like well you know Cuban food is kind of easy in the sense that, like, there's two sauces. There's sofrito and there's mojo. Sofrito is a tomato and wine-based sauce. Mojo is a citrus and garlic, very heavy garlic-based sauce. And that's pretty much it, island-wide. Mm. Like, those are the two sauces. And they'll cook chicken, beef, pork, anything. It all just gets cooked in these same two sauces. And then if you're from the eastern side of the island, they might throw some coconut milk into that sofrito sauce, and that's a third sauce. But, like, really, that's... The eastern side, like you won't even find dishes like that really like in Havana. Mm. Like it's not a thing to eat with coconut milk, you know, in in the rest of Cuba. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in that sense, it was kind of easy for us to adapt dishes. And then, you know, I've had people, you know, try and tell me that, you know, Cuban people say, well, it's not authentic Cuban food because there's no meat. And I always remind them, you know, authenticity is not based on your protein choice. It's about flavor and spice and sauce and seasoning. It's mm -hmm. not the protein. Mm -hmm. The protein isn't what makes the food authentic. Right. Because if you really think about it, you can go from country to country and place to place and everywhere where they eat meat. Like, cow is cow, you know what I mean? But curry from East Indian to curry from West India to, you know, um, a, I don't know, like an Italian seasoning, you know, that's what makes the difference ethnically in food. It's your seasoning, your spices, your sauces. It's not the protein. Your, so it doesn't matter what the protein is. Which are all vegan, is. by the way. Right. So, so yeah, they're all vegan. So, so, so that's usually so, my point uh, to people. So, so yeah. it doesn't really matter what the protein carrier for these flavors is because it's these flavors really that you're looking for. It isn't the flavor of, you know, blood and iron that you're looking for. It's, it's a texture, Seasoning right? is what it's, you're it's looking a, for. It's a texture. Yeah. You know, so. And texture-wise now, you know, they've, again, they've, they've, you know, 
they've advanced so far in textures. I mean, sometimes even for me, I think it's too far. You know, mm, like sure. I personally, there's certain of the newer like burgers that have come out and I really don't care for them because it does taste too much like the real thing. And, you know, at first, like there were a couple of vegans I've had come into our restaurant. They tell me the same thing. They're like, oh, I can't eat these wings because they just taste too much like what I remember real chicken tasting like. And at first I was like, well, but, you know, it's not so it shouldn't bother you. But now I've been having that same experience, sure. you know, and then I was talking to someone else who came in and they mentioned to me how, oh, the FDA is trying to make it so that that they can't label, you know, vegan meats as, quote, meat anymore. And they were bothered by this. And I was like, actually, they're doing us a favor. Mm-hmm. I'm like, as vegans and vegetarians, like, why do we even really want to associate what we're ingesting with that? Like, I'd rather call it protein because at the end of the day, that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. It's not meat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's Sure. And I object to calling animals protein. Again, we make them things. They yeah. get they get lost in this that uh right? you know, it's their bodies, their lives and all, and uh we wind up just calling them protein when uh we should be calling the real protein protein you know, vegan yeah. protein the the real food. Yeah, that's you know the re- I mean? exactly, you know. You know let let the a- animal, animal be protein, who he is and what he is. You animal know? protein is deadly anyway. I mean if you look at the China study, animal protein uh, is connected to heart disease, cancer, stroke. Yeah, I mean it's just it's deadly. So, but but that's the first question you get from people is, well, how do you get your protein? As if vegans, yeah. as if vegans were suffering from some protein deficiency yeah. disease. You know, like and I hear not. it, I hear it in your voice how weak you are, how you need protein. I need protein. Oh, help yeah, me. you know, so. or you know, and I've had people in the restaurant like, for instance, they'll ask me and if they're you know kind of confused, well, you don't sell any kind of meat. I'm like, no, we do not sell any type of flesh. No, mm-hmm. we don't sell any type of muscle tissue. No, we do not. <laughs> and they kind of look at me like I'm crazy. Like, right. why would you no say cadaver, that? Well, I'm like, no well, that's cadaver, the re- that's what no, you're really asking me. No decomposing You know, you're asking cadaver. me if I have muscle tissue. You're asking me if sure. I have flesh. No, we don't sell flesh and muscle tissue. Like, we don't. Oh, <laughs> we sell protein-based products. The truth is so are, an, you know, the truth is so unappetizing sometimes, right? So it's like, isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the restaurant we are talking about is Ekelakwa. Yeah. With the exclamation point on the qua and yes. <laughs> that's uh, right. the vegan Cuban cafe at eleven twenty West Florence, um uh, in Inglewood, uh Inglewood with an I. Are there any vegan restaurants in Cuba? In Cuba? Um, you know, I was there in two thousand seventeen and I you know, I had like read some reviews that there was a place and I went there and they kind of let me know that that's a very rare occasion. And then, but since that time, I've heard of more like places offering vegan and vegetarian options. I mean, I haven't found like a place that is strictly vegan. Um, Somebody tried to tell me about one and so I called them and I said, hey, you know, I'm coming to Cuba and someone told me this was a strictly vegan place and, you know, my husband's coming and he, he, you know, eats seafood and I just want to know if you guys would be able to have anything for him. And they said yes. So I was like, well, I guess we are still the first and the only fully mm-hmm. vegan Cuban place because the other place that people told me about that were in Cuba that supposedly were, when I called them, they were very willing to provide foods that weren't vegan. So I was like, well... That, so I think yeah. there there are it's it's definitely becoming more known, but um, you know there's there's 
there's definitely places you can go and get things. I mean, when I traveled with my friends, I kind of just forewarned them, you know, when it comes to eating beans in restaurants and you tell them you're a vegetarian, like they will, they will be sticking their, you know, hands in your food and pulling out all the pieces of flesh and bones and whatever they can find. Right. And they're going to tell you that it's vegetarian, but you know, when you're sick, you know, in about 30 to 40 minutes and your stomach feels like hell, like, don't say I didn't forewarn you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and sure. that's pretty much what happens, you know. So I usually tell people that if you're a vegan or a vegetarian and you're going to Cuba, um, you, you can take your faux meats with you and cook there. That's what I did. We Airbnb our way through Cuba, and so I took one of those like little insulated carry-on bags with me from the grocery stores, and I filled it with all kind of faux meats or and, faux and they, you they know, let, they proteins. They let you on the plane with that, really? They let me on the plane. Quite it went through customs. Even in Cuba, like I was really, it was an experiment because I, I would like to maybe do some food tours there, but um, I just wanted to see what would happen. Like, are they going to confiscate it? Are they going to let it in? And they let us bring it in. And so my friends that came with us who are vegans were, you know, super happy to be able to be in Cuba. And I was able to, you know, cook for them like traditional Cuban food, but the vegan version because we brought our proteins with us. And while I was there, I was able to source all the ingredients to make a sofrito or a mojo sauce because they're just basic, you know, fruit, vegetables. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, yeah. I highly suggest to people like, you know, I always say like, well, you know, it's better, you're better off trying to take it with you and being able to cook for yourself if you can. That's probably the safest thing. Or, you know, just be prepared to eat a lot of fruit, which isn't a bad thing. Sure. Mm -hmm. You yeah, know, I'm and, just, I'm you know, just but even like ground food, oftentimes it's cooked with, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I, I, oh no, I was just surprised you were able to smuggle, uh, smuggle that on the plane. I I couldn't get Daisy's. I couldn't get Daisy's dog food in in cans on on the plane, and and I actually once got pulled out by customs because I had carob brownies and they wanted to uh, examine them. them. They were yeah, yeah, they were very very suspicious. The carob brownies. But you know, so. usually, you know, I personally have. Honestly, never had problems um, taking food with me places, and I'm one of those people because I, on top of the fact that I'm a vegetarian and on and off have been vegan when I've traveled, I'm also just in general a and, and very back on, person. By, by, back on, we're trying to switch the put the switch yes. back on right now. Sorry, yes, Go ahead. we're switching it back on. <laughs> but you know, I'm super finicky anyway, so I'm one of those people like when I travel even to Europe, like I'm bringing like six six bags of like vegan, you know, uh, jerky with me, and I'm bringing all kind of like snacks you know mm -hmm. what i mean because yeah. i just know i don't i'm yeah i'm not gonna be a happy traveler if i'm like really living off of just strictly fruit and like juice i like sustenance so right. you know i'll usually bring like those little bags of like um like the little you know some like those uh bags of like maybe lentils or something that you can just drop into the boiling water and it'll heat it back up for you you know mm. like i usually make sure i travel with you know, foods that, you know, I can easily prepare for myself. And with the proteins, like, I've traveled with, you know, the little cubes of those, um, like the vegan ground beef from Trader Joe's. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If the flight's less than 10 hours, I'll throw that in the insulated, you know, one of those little bags. I'll put it in my backpack. Mm -hmm. I can take it with me, and it survives very well, and I'm very happy when I can break that sucker up into four parts, and I have at least, I know I'm going to get one good meal, you know, a day, and mm -hmm. that will carry me through. Right. You know? Well, that's so, that's when the peanut butter and jelly sandwich comes in handy. <laughs> so. Yeah, you know, but I'll tell you, like, when I traveled to Senegal, West Africa, like, yeah, I was hard pressed to find peanut butter and jelly in the bush, you know, but luckily mm. I had brought, like, 
the Jamaican style, like the, the dry soy chunks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I travel with those often because it's dry. So they're not going to really complain about it being like a moist food or anything. And the, usually, you know, when they ask me like, what is this? I just tell them, Hey, look, you know, I'm a vegetarian or if I'm vegan at the time, I tell them, Hey, you know, I'm vegan. And there's just, you guys aren't going to be able to feed me on this airplane. And you know, like I need to be able to survive. And they're usually like, Oh, okay. They don't question it usually after that. Uh, and they just go, Oh, okay. You know, so I usually travel with like the dry chunks. That's usually, I think, the easiest to move with sometimes. But, you know, I tell people that are traveling when they ask me like, oh, how do you survive traveling as a vegan or how do you try? I go, you know, you just bring food with you. You just have to be prepared. I try. Like I anything try. else in life. It's just a matter, matter of being prepared. I, I hope for the yeah. best. I, I hope those carob brownies get by customs. I try. I try. Right. So, <laughs> we try. Yeah. So, um, and also, uh, we have discovered each other because you are interested and you, go, uh, you were interested in L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest and you were the first who wanted to be there with uh, vegan food. Awesome. You know, I know that traditionally Rastafarian people are vegan um, or vegetarian as well. And, and I was um, very much in the community here locally in Los Angeles for, gosh, like almost 20 plus years. And, you know, I have a lot of loved ones who are Rastafarian. I used to work for Carib Press, which was the only Caribbean newspaper out of the West Coast. So I was a music editor, so I was very much immersed in, you know, the reggae music scene. And so, you know, yeah, when I saw that festival of all of the other festivals that happened in L.A., that's the one that I was mainly like, yeah, I don't want to miss that one, you know, because <laughs> I know I'll see a lot of, you know, since I opened the restaurant, I don't really get to go and, you know, go to clubs and go and hang out with my friends because I'm usually just, you know, on work mode. And so I knew that at this particular event, I'd have a better chance of like, even though I'll still be kind of working, but at least I'll be able to see a lot of my loved ones that I just haven't had an opportunity to see in a long time. Great. So it just seemed like the perfect fit for me personally. LAReggaeVeganFest.com. Yes. For all of Cato's friends, all of Cato's friends, go to LAReggaeVeganFest.com and you can get discount tickets there or we'll see you at the door. And so, yeah, what did you think of the lineup when you first saw the musical performers? The lineup is great. I love it. It's amazing. You know, it's really rootsy. It's really heartical. And, you know, for somebody like me that's, you know, 40 plus, um, you know, there's a certain genre of reggae that I'm more into and I kind of like the more, you know, I'm just moved more by like the roots vibe versus the more dance hall vibe. And so this lineup just seemed like just what I, again, just like the event itself, it just seemed personally it was something that I just needed. I didn't get to go to any of the big reggae festivals this summer. And, you know, I was really kind of bummed that I didn't get to see any live performances. And this kind of brought my two worlds together. Yeah, this so is, I'm really uh, excited. This is really exciting. People are liking it. And a lot of people are saying the same thing you are, that uh, they really like that. They feel that it's a Roots concert. They're really into that. And yeah. So uh, we, we start off with a children's show at 1030 in the morning with Jamaica Bob. And then uh, we have the Simpkin Project out of uh, Orange County. Are you, have you seen them or have, are you familiar with the, the Simpkin Project? You know, I'm not familiar with the Simkin Project. Well, great, um, uh, great because so, you'll uh, yeah. enjoy uh, hearing a, a new band, a band that's new to yeah. you. They're they're yeah. really great. And then we have uh, General John Mikey and Lamore and the Mystic Band, and nice. then Sister Carol and Bushman. 
with his uh, I, I love his song like, I think it's Dead Ass Pond of Fire you know it's like a vegan yeah. song He's, he has like vegan music Bushman and then yeah. uh, Maccabee also you know the Amazing. the vegan Ital man vegan Ital yes you know? yes and Maccabee with his song you uh, know too much chicken and and wami eat. I mean, Maccabee does this. I don't know if you've ever seen on YouTube. He has uh, his uh, medical Mondays and wami eat Wednesdays. And uh, I don't know. He's he's so poetic. Like he, he he did poetry about watercress. He had me running out to buy watercress. I've never bought wow. watercress in my life. So uh, and then Glenn Washington also. So oh, know. that's just gonna be such a beautiful day. I really can't wait. Sunday, October 7th, and uh, yeah. come on out yes. to Woodley Park, LARegaveganfest.com, and uh, you will, uh, for the first time in your life, experience vegan Cuban cuisine. And uh, oh, so, yeah. you, so you have like, uh, I see shrimp, like uh, mock shrimp dishes and all, that, right? They, yeah, you know? so we have basically, what we did was, is we developed a menu that had the, like, all of the like traditional like foods that I grew up eating. So my, like I said, I grew up with my grandmother in the home. She would cook for us, you know, six days a week and our full, like what we call our full plates. That is literally like a blueprint of how I was eating as a child growing up, except for, you know, of course it was the flesh version. Mine's is the flesh free version of it. Mm -hmm. But so camarones enchilados, which is like shrimp in like a, in like a, spicy sauce or the shrimp and the garlic sauce because like i said we have two sauces and we cook everything in it so um the garlic chicken or the fricase de pollo which is the chicken and the sofrito sauce and um ropa vieja is what we um call we have a shredded beef dish that's cooked in the um in this like in the sofrito sauce and and um so they call it ropa vieja because they say it looks like ripped up old clothes uh-huh. and um we have the traditional, the picadillo. Picadillo is how, something how like appetizing. a human household. You... Ripped up old clothes. How... Well, again, yeah, it's, it's always yeah. the sauce. What It's the, always the sauce. That yeah, yeah. You know, so um, like I said, so we have all those traditional dishes, you know. But then, you know, again, this is L.A., so I kind of had to think outside the box a little bit. So I kind of did my little Mexican-ish fusion, if you will, and we do our version of nachos. But instead of using tortilla chips, we use roasted plantain chips. Ah. Instead of using, like, say, pinto beans or a Mexican-style uh, cooked bean, we put Cuban-style black beans on top of them. Mm-hmm. You can pick your protein or you can do just veggies. And then for hot sauce, you know, instead of, like, a pico de gallo kind of, like, tomato-based hot sauce, we use um, a sweet and spicy one that we kind of blend together ourselves. And then aside from that, I also have something called a dish that's called yuca la yuma. In Cuba, they call people that aren't born on the island, they call you yuma. So um, yuca la yuma is my ode to chili fries. <laughs> I love chili fries. And um, Earl's Grill on Crenshaw does the best vegan chili, vegan cheese fries on planet Earth. <laughs> And so uh, my Yucala Yuma, in a way, is my ode to the Earl's family and Earl's Ron Crenshaw. So it's my own version of Cuban-style chili fries, if you will. And so basically, it's kind of like the nachos, but we use um, yuca fries. So no potatoes. It's made with cassava root fries. Mm-hmm. And we you know, line those up. We put the Cuban-style black beans on them. Again, your choice of protein, hot sauce, vegan sour cream. And it's actually one of my favorite dishes. Um, and then we also have tostones ahogado, which is actually kind of like a note to my Colombian side of the family because they eat tostones 
Desagados in Colombia, and that's basically green fried plantain, not the sweet ones, but the round kind of flat ones that look like little discs. Mm-hmm. And we, um, you know, we'll fry those, and then you can put the your protein of choice on that, and then we drizzle that with the fire agave sauce and the vegan sour cream again. You know, so Sounds I've kind of like great. taken some traditional Cuban foods and kind of fused them a little with some other kind of, mm-hmm. you know, types of foods to come up with, you know, well, that's, some that, extra that's dishes usually, for our that, That's usually the, the creativity uh, of, of cooking is what whatever's next to something on the shelf and it falls over on it, it, it becomes a new dish. So yeah yeah oh look the the chocolate just spilled on the broccoli okay we're selling chocolate broccoli exactly right (laughs) yeah yeah well it sounds great and i'm sure that you are going to be very popular at uh, la reggae vegan fest and uh like uh i need to visit your restaurant i i've never been there myself please do definitely and i'll tell you what with this event for me i'm like i'm sure you know i have a lot of um faith in my staff and in all their hard work but i'm i think i selfishly signed up for this event so i can really just go and enjoy the music so well, you know definitely i, I, th- I, think, I hope I we're successful but you're, you're, i cheated and i was selfish and i really signed up just for the good time you're, you're, you're speaking for many vendors i believe right so. <laughs> for, for yeah. me too why am i organizing this I, yeah I want, to, I want to enjoy this day of course that's why i'm organizing this so and i'd like to give a shout out to all those other um vegan vendors that are going to be there you know like I, I'm really grateful to be to to live in the city of Los Angeles where we really have such an ethnic array of vegan foods to choose from. So big ups to all those uh, vegan ethnic restaurants out there that are providing good food for good people, you know? Yeah, so come on out to LA Reggae Vegan Fest and try lots of it. Bring bring your appetite. So, yes. Yeah, definitely. Bring your appetite for good music and good food. Yes, definitely. All right, Carol, well, it was a pleasure talking with you today, and I'm Likewise. looking forward to seeing you out there um, at LA Reggae Vegan Fest, Woodley Park, Sunday, October 7th. 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. and how do people find you or your restaurant or contact you or um we have instagram ekelequa cc um facebook i believe it's the same ekelequa cc i'm really not great personally at this whole social media thing um but i hope to get better at it once we uh well, I think if people get, uh, get that word down, if they get that word down, they'll probably find you. I, I don't know if there are many. I, I I'm afraid yeah. to keep saying it because I keep saying. <laughs> Ekelequa, E Q U E L E Q U A. So uh, find C-U-A. that, and yeah. uh, you'll also find it if you happen to be at 1120 West Florence in Inglewood. So, all right. Well, thank you, Carol, yes. for being with us. And Daisy thanks is to telling you. me it's ta- time to take a walk. So we'll we'll see you soon. All right, hon. Have a great day, and okay. thanks for you know reaching out to us. We really appreciate it. Great, great talking to you today. Talk to you soon. Likewise, bless. Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com on Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden 
on Twitter at GoVeganRadio. Please check out our 24-7 music sensation radio station at RadioBobby.com, RadioBobby.com. You're going to love the music. You've never heard anything like it. And uh, you've never attended anything like L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest. That's for sure. Looking forward to the vegan Cuban food from Caro and Icaliqua. Still working on that that one. Um, and we have we have lots of great food vendors. Lots we have lots of great vendors for uh, personal care, clothing. You know, it's just it's just going to be a great day. You've never experienced anything like it i can assure you it's just going to be a great time bring bring friends and family and get your discount tickets now at la reggae veganfest.com i want to support vegetarian house uh in san jose um it's one of the great vegan restaurants in the world it's a hundred percent vegan organic and non-gmo and it's it's just one of the best and Vegetarian House has been supporting our program year after year after year after year. And uh, it's been around year after year after year uh, to do so because it's always packed. I mean, the great vegan restaurants are packed. There's always, you see, a line around the block at vegan restaurants because uh, we are happening. Vegan is the way to go. And uh, it's the way to save the planet the way to save the children, the way to save the animals. And uh, so come on out and have a great time with us. Um, oh, and I oh, I was thanking uh, Vegetarian House, uh, the website. That's in San Jose, so, you know, a, a little bit of a trek from where we are at Woodley Park, like a six-hour drive, five, six-hour drive. But um, if you are in the Bay Area, uh, Northern California, Vegetarian House caters... And if you have an event coming up, a social event, a business event, you're getting married, and the food has to be great, definitely get in touch with Vegetarian House. Uh, the restaurant is at 520 East Santa Clara Street. And again, check out the, the menu. It's at vegetarianhouse.us. Okay, well, I think that should just about do it for this program. I want to thank Andrew Sutton for helping us with the editing and the technical end of things here and uh, I look forward to seeing you Sunday October 7th at LA Reggae Vegan Fest and uh, I, now that the now that the show is over uh, go turn on the music on Radio Bobby uh, Radio B-O-B-B-Y.com and then uh, get your tickets at LA Reggae Vegan Fest.com. see you there